0: One hundred and eighty.
1: Don't ever feed him after midnight. I met my
2: Episode 180, and it's me, Gary P., and
1: of course, the prof Carl Riley. Gimme, 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 man, Drew, until midnight, but no later because that's, <laughs> that's where all the COVID is.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not even going to talk about it anymore, man. It's just ridiculous. This small talk cannot be about this government's failings now because we'll, we'll end up talking about it all night. It's ridiculous. We'll move on, we'll move on, but we'll talk about our sponsors real quick, bro. Really, really quickly because they're brilliant and of course ocean electrical fantastic guys always always got our back but speaking of people who do have our back it's of credit prof because they got you back i want to big, a big big thank you to all the guys who sponsored us for this season and it's been a whirlwind roller coaster of a season and they've backed us all the way they've helped us out and uh, this is similar to brando mile playing for a contract towards the end of the season this is me <laughs> licking their arse so they sponsor us again next season <laughs> so that's the sponsors also the Chris
1: McCann approach or sorry Zinedine McCann
2: the Zinedine McCann yeah well allegedly
1: you're, you're suggesting suggestion <laughs> if we are talking about the dreaded uh, L word possible lockdown it's happening I, bro. I just hope that it's announced on Sunday morning the 28th no, no reason in particular just just Sunday morning on the 20th. just announced at about 10am. All sports events cancelled. Yeah. Uh, trophy awarded to the league champs. <laughs> We're all hungover from the Player of the Year awards. Just reading our phones. Oh no. I know, yeah. Which is possible. Keep an
2: eye out. If you do have a ticket for the Player of the Year awards, it's strictly no walk-ups, guys. Unfortunately, we are at capacity even more so now with these new restrictions coming in. And... It could be earlier So keep an eye on our socials We will let you know It could be earlier It's due to kick off at 7 It could be an earlier time So uh, yeah So this week we're going to talk About the derby And more importantly The party this Friday Prof Get the party poppers out uh, There's also a lengthy interview With former Rovers player and Manager Pat Scully This is not to be missed I'm going to say Interview of the, interview the season Prof Well done I really really enjoyed this yeah, It's a cracker It's though. really good It's exactly 15 years ago To the day that we led The club to the fourth division title So um, A very very memorable
1: season for some yeah listen to them I kind of I wish I had I had been there for that season it oh just man. sounds like such a great season Discover it, Ireland absolutely class some of them trips must have been amazing yeah I, I can only imagine Cove Conair the whole lot would have been so cool just watching a young team just win nearly every game wouldn't really really cool speaking of stickers a couple of stickers here we have a sticker war coming on
2: and our Dublin has been plastered with 50 stickers it is
1: all over the place. Are you aware of the sticker war, Gary? Because apparently <laughs> there's all sorts of balls and shells, stickers. That our fans are ripping them off and then putting on the love robbers, hate racism, and then they're getting ripped off or covered over. If I see a sticker
2: of any other club, it's getting covered or ripped. Apologies. No, no apologies. It's getting ripped. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no. So keep sticking them and keep tagging
1: us in your mm. posts. But, yeah keep it up and Garrett. just a quick thing uh, just to demonstrate again how much you've become a bit of a celebrity uh, Ray Ray Weedon's Mrs (laughs) texted him the following Gary Parsons is beside us in wing world was it accompanied by what do I do
2: (laughs) should I go over to him Uh, lovely lovely woman and uh, pals, pals were friends. But yeah, there was photos taken. I won't lie. I won't lie. There was a couple of photos taken. You know. Any autographs or? Oh no, those are. That's. I don't. I don't do autographs. I'm like Roy Kane. Okay. Don't do autographs. But um, <laughs> yeah, we did a lot of love for the podcast intro last week. Prof, this is probably one of my favorites. I love movie snippets. All day, every day, give me them. And uh, Derek Kelly says, "What an intro at East End Pod. Enjoyed the interview with Tony Grant. Snake emoji. So uh, it, yeah, it I, went down well."
1: I remember watching that film with you when we were younger, actually, Fodding Down. Oh, man. It's a classic. One of our, our favourite movies ever. Brilliant. And, uh, and, of
2: course, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it.
1: But um, just on, on Tony Grant, uh, I wasn't sure what reaction we were going to get, so I was kind of cautious. And it wasn't negative, was it? No, it wasn't. It was, like it's you said... It kind of was I, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a good one, and he...
2: Like, people's opinion is cemented of him no matter what mm. I think and no matter what he said or
1: what he did in that interview people's minds are made up about him yeah. and they always will be he owned up to his decision whether or not you agree with it or not he did He did own up to it but uh, time now for Pat Tully's favourite part of the show Garrett the Jim Conroy text section Yeah, he says a very good podcast RSC Lunacy was, was dealt with well Tony Grant interview was really interesting he served raw as well the club was in an awful state when he moved on I never had much of a problem with the bloke. If he had moved to any other club, most Tubers would remember him with fondness. Yeah,
2: yeah. There you go. Well, the the level of uh, what the what would you say the um, the sound mind of of Jim Conroy coming in and
1: wading in with an opinion. Well, here's two perspectives, right? Jim Conroy around a long time. Here's uh, uh, Mooner, who wouldn't have been fondness <laughs> back then in the early nineties, and uh, he thought it was good. <sighs> he was too young to remember. The reaction But he says He moved for the same reasons That Bowls players Come to us these days Which is a good point Very very true Very true yeah But I think We're on a
2: little bit more Of a higher scale now Than they mm. were back then And then you pointed out To me when he said The word wages As much as he says In terms <laughs> of <laughs> Yeah uh, Jack Borenprov The Bows Mirror story Last Friday uh, Late to the party With this one This one's was knocking around For mm. a while but April 1st was it Jack, yeah, did um, this all originate from a prank phone call? Someone rang Long, pretending to be Jack Bourne. That's how this story came about. I heard that, yeah, and uh, that is just absolute shit if there ever was any. <laughs> and uh, so apparently it was Jack's mate, so he rang him up and he was saying he was interested, and Long fucking rubbing his hands, thinking he had Jack Bourne on the on the
1: on the fucking on the lean on the line. But uh, it came across as a bit of a sensationalist headline. Because it was on Derby Day, and you're just reading this as it was like as if he's going to go to Bowes, but in fairness to Paul, like people came at Paul and Paulo Hare and he didn't actually say he was signing. Yeah, he yeah. just said Bowes made it an approach, which a lot of people have. And Dan, wants Jack, Dan McDonald said the same this week that this approach happened. Whether or not it was the prank call, like you say, is that what happened? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but it just the headline was just people <laughs> awesome. asking, "Is it April 1st? Best reply came from Ben Cleary, the the, the ever useful Gary O'Neill on the camera picture <laughs> with Greener pointing and laughing. That's just the perfect response. And we were
2: talking about when this would pop up again and when when it would be relevant <laughs> and it's it's gonna yeah. pop up for a while in the future, I'd imagine. But it seems like he's coming, Gary. Yeah, I think so. Jack is back. Hashtag Jack is back and Celtic, unfortunately, we're gonna get one in, but it seems like Danny could be on his way out. We don't know yet, but Celtic reportedly interested in signing Danny in January. Um I'd love to see him here for another year. He has a, he's had a whirlwind four season. You'd love to see him again, wouldn't you? Fourteen goals from from oh, from midfield is fantastic return, and he's been a breath of fresh
1: air. Still not sure if he's player of the year, though, prof. Still not sure. Don't think he was consistent enough in the thirty six games. Yeah. to be player of the year, but he has had a really good season, and he scored some brilliant goals, and he's, he's up there for contention for sure. But it's toxic, though, prof. Work toxic, no, yeah, toxic in the dressing room. But um, like if. If Danny stays and Jack signs, do we have too many central theaters? Well, It Looks like somebody could be on the way out, oh, Prof. But is it is it logical to sign Jack Byrne first of all because he's Jack Byrne and you just when he's available you gotta sign him, and also because if there's always if there's always a chance that Danny could go in February. Like remember we got got caught in the hop by McAniff and Hearts in February. Yeah. Or he could go in the summer. But that's always a danger. Well then you're not overloaded midfielders because you have you have that replacement ready. Yeah exactly yeah and it's a competitive long season as
2: well so I'd be happy enough to get him in definitely you don't say no to Jack. Mm. We will make room prof.
1: And as you you said Dylan Duffy will be politely asked to give up his 29 jersey. Yeah sorry Dillo (laughs) going back to Jack t-shirts prof they sold
2: out we've a couple of small a small quantity left but if anyone hasn't got theirs left yeah please
1: please let us know we will make sure you get one happiest uh, some- man in Ireland Carl Kearns three years in the making <laughs> he got the t-shirt gear what, what began in Stockholm three years ago he, he threatened to rip it off my body <laughs> <laughs> he now finally has keep a shirt keep that for the bathhouses prof.
2: <laughs> but yeah no, they, are, they sold out really well and we've a small amount left so get in touch with us and if you haven't got one yet and you did order one, please let us know. We will make sure that you get it.
1: See, Carl's selling the uh, bucket hats.
2: I saw that. We're getting two. Definitely, yeah. That's one of his pals. We met him, actually. We met him in the Pines or the Laurels. I'm not sure which one. It was the Laurels. We met him in there. And he was doing shells one as well. But they are. They're really cool. Definitely going to get our hands on one of those. But next up, Prof, we have the man who brought us back from the dead. And from into the Premier Division, it's Pat Scully. Uh,
1: so, Pat, we'll start with your, your time as a player at Shamrock Rovers. You joined in uh, 2001 from uh, Shelburne, I think it was. So, think back to joining the club then. Uh, what was the club like and uh, signing under uh, Rico?
0: Yeah, well, when I was leaving Shells, um, there was a couple of clubs that I spoke to, and I was probably 30, I think, 21 at that stage. And when I spoke to Damien Richardson, was the manager who had obviously played with uh, when, he was at, when he was manager at Shells, so I'd always got on well with Damien you know, and I met. Mr. Caldwell was the chairman. Um, I was very impressed with, with the what they wanted for the club. Again, the Shamrock Rovers, the name, the history, always has a huge part. It's probably the biggest club in Ireland. Um, and I thought it was a great challenge at that time in my career. As I said, I was 30, 31, you know, coming towards the end maybe of my career the last few years. And I thought it would be a really good challenge as in towards that last step in my career. Like, And I mean, signing there, I think obviously they were they were building the new stadium um obviously i think it was kind of halfway there and they were hoping it was going to be done in a couple of years that was the talk i think at the time um, so the i think the good thing for me was that we actually played in Tolka park which i was very used to so it wasn't it was a kind of a home from home situation so it was a decision i was happy what that i made um, and i enjoyed the year and a half that I was there as a player a fabulous club and i think from speaking to damien and and the and the, the board I think the the thing what they wanted to do was was kind of get back competing again you know because i think without the ground as a team you know financially it's it's very difficult to compete and and challenge if you don't have a, a decent enough budget you know at the end of the day it always comes down to money money buys you the best players the better players you can get um and that was what they kind of wanted to do they wanted that, that goal of of getting closer to cup finals europe you know get close to maybe trying to win the league and then when hopefully they went into the stadium in two years time they'd be competing already so and as i said that's kind of the way it worked out that those couple of years you know i really enjoyed it Um again the supporters are fantastic you know they're real proper soccer supporters they love the club Um they're very demanding supporters and, and but that's i think that's rightly so at a big club like shamrock rovers i suppose if you were looking for it for a for a twin you'd say man united in england it's, it's that same kind of that kind of breed of support, or the same a club that they demand success, no matter what the situation. You know, having no ground, I think that didn't really come into the reckoning with with, with the supporters. They still want the Shamrock to be the best they could possibly be, and I think that's a great mindset um, for a, for for a big club like that. And I th- I think when I went there as a player, there were certain things that were a little bit frustrating. Um, and you could see, obviously, the, the stadium. You know, trying to get a stadium built is a huge financial um, drain on any football club, and you know there was a lot of things at the club that probably weren't the way they would like it to be um but again when it comes to finances you have to you know your finances dictate what you can do and what you can't do and there was definitely you could see you know certain things that just that just weren't right in the in the setup and the structure like you know but as i said i i I totally enjoyed it we got to a cup final we came close to the league a couple of times um but uh, the play in the year and a half, it was, it was a very enjoyable year and a half for me.
1: You were made captain as well and uh, a decent squad of players. You had uh, send a centre-back partnership with uh, Terry Palmer. Was, was that a good partnership?
0: It was, I have to say, yeah, it was. I mean, I've always thought, even from playing against Sean Rovers, they always had good players. And you know, and I think that's the thing with Sean Rovers. even when they haven't probably got the budget that other clubs have, I think players want to play for that club. you know, And I think players would go there. So you'll always have a chance of getting good players to be there. And I thought we had a good squad. And I thought Damien... Managed it really well, um, I've always been a big admirer of Dan Richland, I think he's a very, very good manager. Um, he would be the complete opposite of me as it was, he's a very free manager, wants to play real attacking football and he's very kind of let, let players go out and express themselves and you know, he's, he's, very, he's a very enjoyable manager to play for. Um, and again, as, as my personality would be a little bit different from that, but we did, we did get on very, very well. Um, I thought we played some, some really good football, but we also tightened up, I always thought of Sharma Crovers, and and I think probably you think that Damien maybe with his teams where they were a little bit loose and a little bit, a little bit of softness there as well, um, and I suppose that's why he wanted to bring me in to kind of be a bit more of a tougher personality in the dressing room and on the pitch, and I think it worked. You know, I think it worked. I said we we got that balance right, and I think it was a little bit harsh and unfortunate that, that Damien at the end of it didn't get another contract because you know I thought we qualified for UEFA do UEFA Cup I think for, and that was the first time in ten years and that was the goal that we wanted to do that's that's what we spoke about when I usually when I go to any football club I always ask the club like what do you want from my stay here if I stay here what what what, what do you want me to do like if it's ridiculous and it can't be done then I, then I wouldn't go um but I thought the fact that they were talking about getting back up competing I thought that was definitely a target we could definitely get to and we did you know we did we definitely did as I said we got to a, I think we got to the faa Cup final as well um, and we qualified for Europe Although I think, when, as I said, with Shamrock Rovers, it's different. We've been there all season. We were right up the top. I think there were stages where we were actually top of the league. Um, and I think when you fall away and come second, it's not enough. Um, although I thought we'd do well for what we had, having no ground. It's not an excuse. I think anyone in football will tell you, if you want to be successful, you have to have a good stadium. You know, you ha- especially a club like Shamrock Rovers, because they have so many supporters. You, know, you have to have a good stadium. The more people that come to the ground, brings brings revenue, brings more money. And again, from a football point of view, your home is your base. You know, that's where you're used to. You want to make that as an intimidating place as possibly can where, where other teams don't want to come. And your home record usually dictates how well you do over the season. If you do really well at home and, and be strong away from home, you're going to do well in the season. In the season like, you know, and we never really had that. So that was always a bit, of a, a bit of a hindrance. But I think when you look back in the year and a half, I think we made really, really good strides. I have
1: to ask you about that the cup final against uh, Derry at Talca Park. It's it's notorious for the preparations and the, the way Liam Buckley went about it. He treated it like a home game. So I know a lot of players weren't happy about it, yourself included. So what do you remember from that?
0: Yeah, I think I I I mean, if football is again it's it's uh, it's all about opinions, uh, you know, and it's all about the way people like to go about. And I I just think. To get to a cup final and especially i think i'm not again i have a i haven't got a great memory but it had been a good while since shamrock rovis had been at an fa cup final. i I believe and i just think for me you should make sure everything is as well prepared and and done and treated like a cup final i think it comes down to focus as well the players know this is not an everyday game this is a special occasion this means an awful lot you know this is one day where you have to make sure everything is right um and I just felt, and I don't and again. It's well recorded at the time. I was very annoyed and probably said a few things that maybe I shouldn't have said. But you know, again, Liam wanted to do it a different way. He felt we were doing well in the league. Um, I was the captain, so I I did voice my concerns with Liam um, and, and and felt it was wrong what, what way we were going about it. Um, but again, he's the manager, and that's the way he wanted to do it. But I think from my from my memory of it and, and little things like that uh, annoy me as a person because I would be. You know, I would be very, very organized. Um, Like, things like people coming late for a cup final, you know, people watching at 25 past two, I think the kickoff is three o'clock. Like, that for me at a cup final, that's just not acceptable. You know, that's just not okay to do that, like. And I thought, little things like even myself, my car broke down the day before at four o'clock. So I spent an hour and a half getting my car fixed. Whereas for me, we should have been in a hotel. That's the whole point of being in a hotel, that nothing can happen. You You know, your children get sick, your wife can get sick. You know what I mean? The night before a game can disturb the players' rest. So, and, and that's where I think if you're in a hotel, the club have you, the team have you, you're there, you can't do anything. You know, nothing can happen. That's, that's the whole point of doing it, that you can relax and prepare properly. And as I said, when, when we had three or four players coming in at 25 past two on the day of that cup final, I just thought, you know, that's disgraceful. you know. And then again, you go And I'm not making an excuse over it. I just think we lack like to focus. I think there was a real lack of focus. It wasn't a great game. I don't think it, it was a very scrappy kind of a game. They, they, I think they got a bit of a lucky goal, but we didn't play anywhere near the way we did. We didn't play anywhere near. I would always equate it to when we played in the semi we final, we played Boas um, um, in, in Talker Park, and I think we beat them 1-0. Um, but you could tell from that game that everyone was focused. You know, you could tell from the training, building into the game, that everybody was focused. And I just don't think that the team had that focus for that cup final. And again, as I said, look, you know, we lost the game, like, you know, and that's, it was, it was a real, real disappointment because you you you're want opportunities to win medals. And especially as a club like Shamrock Rovers, you know, th- that was a good opportunity for the club um, to to go and win a cup. And, and, and we let it slip through our fingers. And as I said, it was, it was disappointing for everybody. And as I said, look, that's, you know, that's, that's the manager's decision. That's up to him to, you know, we didn't play well you know there's no doubt about that we didn't play anywhere near as well as we can but i do feel you know the build up to it and stuff that, i think it's important a cup final i think you know alex ferguson i think said it when um, when liverpool turned up famously in those white cream suits you know and again like i just don't I, I think it is important those things in cup finals. you know i think it's it's good to have a proper suit you know, where, as I said, that you're marking it down and saying, look, this is an important game. It's not an everyday game. The league, is, the league is every week. You have your little routine that you're used to doing. But I think when it comes to a cup final, it's a special one-off occasion. And I think you should prepare properly for that occasion. And unfortunately, I don't think we did prepare properly. And I think it cost us in the end. Do you remember you
1: and the players standing there in your tracksuits, and then seeing the dairy players step off the coach with their shiny new suits?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, look. As I said, look. That's I said. There, 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 I'm sure there are other people that would say, "What difference does it make? You know, to wear a tracksuit or a suit or whatever you do." But as I said, I've always been the way I was raised was was to basically prepare the best way you possibly can all through the week, give yourself the best opportunity you can to when you walk out into that pitch to win the game. You know, and as I said there the couple of instances that I would case was people coming to the dressing room, you know, half an hour before the kickoff and my car breaking down that, that the night before the game, like, you know, those are things that wouldn't happen if we were if we were in a hotel. And I think it does it does make a difference. That's why big teams do it all the time, like, you know, they make sure they look after their players. Man United stay in the hotel before home games. Most clubs I think Italy I, I, I in the Italian league, AC Milan used to have the players in their training ground three days before games. So that's how serious they took it, as and towards how much that preparation is. Like, I just think if you're if you're a top club, which Shamrock Rovers was, we should have prepared in a top way, and we didn't.
1: You ultimately fell out with uh, Liam Buckley. He placed you on the transfer list. So, yeah. what happened in that relationship that it went sour?
0: I think it was. Um, I think probably Me and Liam again have different have different opinions in different ways about going about football. Again, as is uh, you know. Liam is a fabulous footballer when he played for Shamrock Rovers, and he had a he had a wonderful career. Again, he was a forward. You know, I would be probably see more of a defensive um, player, and I just don't think we we, we we clicked. You know, I don't think we clicked at all. Is it, that's and I know. Look, right or wrong, I suppose I've always felt it, it's players. It's it is the players' responsibility as well to be successful for the club. It's not Casey going well. You know the manager. The manager has everything to say. It's not. That's not the way it is. We're in it together. Like you know, we're the winner. We don't win. You know, and we had done so well under Damien, um, and I had reservations the way to, uh, the way the way training was going, the way we were approaching things, and I, I and again I was I would be very open. I spoke to him about those things, and we we started the season extremely poorly. Like you know, we were I think we were second from bottom for for quite a long period of time, and after being so doing so good it was disappointing it was very very disappointing and we, we got ourselves together you know and as i said look you know i me- I remember we had one team meeting where uh, it, it got quite it got quite foisty and and um, there was a lot said but i think it was good i think we really needed a wake-up call like you know we that was nowhere near good enough for what the players that we had you know we were second year before we should have been pushing again to stay up there like but to be second from bottom and stuff for like that and i just think the way we were going about it i just didn't agree with it and if we're not winning games there's no way i'm going to stand back and accept that like you know it's my responsibility to win football matches even as a player you know it's it's my responsibility to make sure that i want to win games like you know no matter way no matter what way we do it i want to win football matches so we weren't winning football matches and it was disappointing there was definitely a few words spoken and you know i think we just had a different mindset and a different mentality and as i said look after the cup one i probably said a couple of things that maybe i shouldn't have said and and i think liam did take exception from that and that's that's fair enough like you know you criticize so a manager no problem with that like you know but we just didn't uh we just didn't click you know and I think probably what it came down to it in the end I was disappointed to leave because I still would have played like you know I'm not really you know I'm not really someone who needs to be best friends with the manager like you know I would I still would have played. I was disappointed but he wouldn't play me um I thought we we didn't have a, a huge blow or around to that there was a couple of things that I was unhappy about a couple of things that happened behind the scenes that I was happy unhappy that the way Liam handled it um and one of them directly involved me um, and I was very disappointed the way that was handled and, and the board got involved in that and I was very open and very honest about what, what I said, what what my disappointment was and, you know, as I said, look, I think we just, we, we probably clashed heads a little bit from the start and that never really changed, like, you know, so I suppose, look, I can understand him him wanting me to move out the door, like, you know, and as I said, I left, that was it, I think, six months after Liam arrived I think like that, so. Fairly quick.
1: So fast forward to uh, 2005 with Kilkenny City. Your your playing career is kind of winding down now, and you're you're starting out your managerial career, uh, unfashionable Kilkenny City. So uh, talk about taking over them, and what was your, your
0: ambition there? Yeah, well, I think when I when I was when I had left Shamrock Rovers, I, I went to Drogheda, um which was which was again was very frustrating. I have to say, um, the way things were done, the way things were run. 'Cause I, I you know, nothing been bad, I have to say the years I had at Shells when I came back from England, things were done very well because I think Ollie Bourne kind of focused that club on the English way of doing things or the proper way of doing things, and it was a very well run club. I did find it frustrating certain things at Sherman Crows and definitely when I went to Drott, it was very it was a real eye opener, um, just exactly how how poor things could be done, like, you know, and it was it was it was difficult. You know, it was very, very difficult. I was 33, as I said, look, I you know, I've always taken my football extremely serious. Um, I want to be successful in, 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 in clubs that I've been at um, and the, the older I got I kind of I've always been someone who was not I was never frightened of making decisions um, or voicing an opinion and I think management was something the older I got I thought when I was younger I thought to myself no I wouldn't like to get involved in that but definitely the older I got um, I spoke to people and I thought to myself you know I would actually like you know to give it a go I was I think I was kind of 34 when the Kilkenny job came up and I kind of suited, I was still kind of playing a little bit, and I thought to myself, well, look, I could, I could maybe do player-manager. I applied I, I for the job. I had a couple of, uh, a couple of contacts about playing, but I had made my mind up that I wanted to kind of go into the coaching and football, so I had joined up for the, the badges as well. Um, and I met Jimmy Ratkin, fabulous guy, absolutely fabulous guy, a very, very funny man, um, but again, loves his football. Went down, again, fabulous stadium. You know, I, I've always been a big, I like, nice stadium so I've always liked a nice stadium I think it looks I think the club represents itself the first thing you see is the stadium you look at yourself fabulous and Kilkenny beautiful the pitch was absolutely outstanding and Jimmy was very proud of the pitch and the stadium and rightly so he'd done a fantastic job and they had finished bottom and you know they had really struggled and stuff for that and all and that's I said the first thing I said to myself, I said well if I get the job I said look you know you tell me what you know what do you want me what do you want me to if I'm here for a year or two years what do you want me to achieve at that time like and of course, Jimmy, been Jimmy. He told us, "Well, you know, if we could win the 4th division. Let's go." On. We were, but you were bottom last year. I said, "That's a hell of a jump." And he said, "Look," he said, "If you can come and bring a bit of pride back into this football club," he said, "I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm sick of people kind of laughing at us and kind of making jokes about it and stuff like that." He said, "If you can come and bring a bit of pride back to this club," he said, "then I'll be delighted." And it took us a while to get going. we had a very young team. It was my first job as a manager, so you're, you're kind of learning on the on the job. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, I loved the training, I loved doing it the way I wanted to do it. it took the players a while to get used to the levels. Um, I had Mark Dempsey um, with me as a coach and Paul Fagan, two fabulous guys, two top, top guys. Um, and we set very, very high standards. When you consider, you can only imagine like how much money we were paying the players. But I never believed in that, you know, I don't think professionalism should be judged on, on a wage. You know, that's a, it's, it's a mindset of, of how you want to approach your football. And your football has to be about your lifestyle you know and how you want to live your life around football and we got those young boys to boy, those young players to buy into it and i think we didn't i don't think we won a game for 10 games but when we did hit the ground we flew like um and that's probably why i'd say when when the season came and i think roddy collins was in charge at rovers and they unfortunately got relegated in the playoffs was it in the playoffs if i'm correct yeah i think it was yeah i think that's obviously what brought maybe Shamrock Rovers attention to me how well I had done cuz we finished fourth I think uh, at Kilkenny but we didn't lose a game for the last seven-day matches so you know I had done a good job there um and I, that's when I got a phone call then from one of the board members of Shamrock Rovers I, I was I didn't have a contract at Kilkenny so I was free and available to speak I spoke to another few three or four clubs were interested in in, uh, in me taking over and Kilkenny obviously wanted me to stay for that for the, for the following season if I would um but I think, again, there, there's a there's a magic about Shamrock Rovers, you know, and it's the same pull. I felt I had uh, unfinished business as well from, from being there as a player. You know, it was disappointing the way it ended for me. It was disappointing what, what had been going on. Um, and I think, as I said, that, that name of Shamrock Rovers is very hard to tone down. Um, and I went and I met Jonathan Roach. I met Noel Bourne. Again, fabulous guys. Really, really good people. Liked what they were talking about doing with the club again been tight with the budget but making sure that we've done things to a good standard and getting the name and that was one of the things that really impressed me that jonathan roach kept saying he went we need to get the name shamrock rovers back you know we've lost our name and, they, and he was right they had like you know shamrock rovers wasn't synonymous to, to high standards and that was one thing that they were big big on they wanted that name back because they were they were they were talking to people about training grounds and stuff like that, and they weren't getting good responses because I think, you know, some, some probably in, in in maybe they hadn't been paid and stuff for that. So, you know, that that was that was a big thing for them, and and, and I was delighted to hear that, you know, and that was really really important. So, a few I, I spoke to a few people, and they did say to me, "Look, that's not a job you should take." You know, you've only you're only one year in. You've done a really good job at like Kenny, and people said, "Look, you know, Shamrock is a huge club. It's going to be a huge pressure on you." Um, you know, maybe wait, but. I didn't have any fear of it. I really didn't have any fear of it. You know, for meeting the board, again, it was a challenge that I really wanted to take on. Um, and and basically, and I think they'd obviously spoke to other managers as well. Um, I remember I was going on my holidays, I think, and Jonathan Roach rang me that morning and he said, look, we'd like you to, to take over next season. Like, you know, so I, was, I immediately accepted and was delighted. You've touched on it there, the expectation that Shamrock Graber's
1: did you say from the beginning your target was to to go back up in in the first attempt?
0: Yeah, and, and that's uh, to be fair to to be fair to the board when I had when I had discussions with them, they said, look, if I would be very much like that was straight away that was the goal for me was to get was to get promoted straight away. But the board kind of said, look, if we can do it in the first year, great, but you know, we two years was what they said. You know, the first year might be a bit of a learning experience and see how we go, and then if if we can get up the second year, then then great, like you know, and I, and. I think also that that was at the time when they were doing the licensing thing with the FAI and stuff for that. So even if you won the league, you weren't guaranteed whether you had to go up. But I think that was a really good idea from the FAI to do that because it was all about setting good standards for the clubs and the structure of the clubs and stuff for that. And also, you know, that's that's where our our, our journey kind of started, where we were more about kind of getting the name of Shamrock Roe was right and getting all the structures, the medical. I spoke to Alan Bourne and kind of had a good conversation with him because he was thinking of maybe leaving. The, 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 he's the Ireland doctor as well. And he was always at Channel Grovers, and I persuaded him to stay involved, which was brilliant because Alan is a fabulous doctor um, and a real professional, real professional. Sets very high standards, great guy. We got the training ground sorted out. so We got the medical thing sorted out. So little by little, we built the club. I think it was a good thing. I know people have said about, we didn't really have any players. I think most of the players were out of contract, contract. Um, and we got rid of, well, I, I got rid of most of them. The kind of board left me, that, to be fair, they did say, look, you look after the football side of it. Uh, and we won't interfere too much on that side. You do the football side. We you know that we I had I met Jonathan and the board every now and again. We'd have a chat about different bits and pieces and stuff for that. And um, but again, they were very good, very supportive. Um and we we, we I, I think it was a good thing that we got rid of all those players because I wanted it to be a new start. You know, I had an idea of what I wanted, the way we needed to go, the way the club needed to go. Um and we set again very very high standard. We wanted real professional standard, real professional players, and we done that by, bring, by bringing some some fantastic young players in. And you know it was a great season. You know, when you look back in it now, it was a brilliant season. They they took to a quick. We started really well. The fans were great again. We were we were playing in Tulka Park, and and. It, that's a, for me, I know it was difficult for the club, but for me it wasn't because Talker Park was where I had been at Shell. So I knew the ground really well. I knew the place well. I felt comfortable there. I think the players took to it well because it was a lovely pitch and a nice stadium. And I'll always, I just think that, that, that year that we got promoted from everybody the club, the players, myself, the staff, the supporters, everybody there was a real um, principle to what we were doing. And I like being successful like that. I like where there's a real idea of what we wanted to do and the board were really about setting a very high standard of everything that we've done, we tried to do it in the best possible way we could. Sometimes, as I said, finances will always dictate, but I still think you can do things to a decent, good standard and that's what we did and we had had some really, really good young players, really good young players that improved and got better and... uh, as I said, look back and it, some of the some of the memories were were, were fantastic.
1: Well I, I asked specifically about the, the first attempt because you've seen in recent years the likes of Shelburne and stuff, it's very easy to get stuck in that division for many years. And was the first game significant to, to begin with a win? I think it was a huge crowd, about two thousand. And that final whistle went, we actually won the, the last minute. That feel a really significant moment. Oh, definitely.
0: That's one of the games where you look back on, you know, when when I mean when the fixtures first came out and it was done dark, wasn't it? It would have obviously I think you know, they were always a good team in the first division, good club. And I think they were, you know, they were someone who was obviously going to challenge us um, to go up. And I remember the, the, the atmosphere was unbelievable. The crowd was great. And I think because we had such a young team, I said to the boys before the game, I said, look, don't be frightened. I said, you know, you're playing for Sean Grovers, don't be frightened. Go out and be strong, stand up and play the game. And in the first half, we didn't. Do you know, you could see they were a bit anxious and a little bit nervous. And it was a big occasion. A lot of these boys... You know, had come from cherry orchards. They'd been at Kilkenny with me, but they had never sampled anything of that nature. You know, and and and, and that's literally a halftime. All I said to them was, I said, "Look, that's what it's like. You've, that's your first taste of playing for Shamrock Rovers, and that's what it's going to be like." I said, "And it's fantastic." I said, "Would you rather play in a stadium with ten people watching you, or do you want to go out in the second half and play like Shamrock Rovers?" I said, "That's the standard this club demands of you." And, by God, did they, did they walk out in that second half and, and play. Oh, my, it was brilliant. It was absolutely fantastic. And I love that kind of football. We were aggressive. We were defensively very strong. We were fast. We ran fast. We passed the ball fast. We moved fast. Um, I love high-tempo football. Um, and you have to be extremely fit to play the way I want to play. And I think we ran them into the ground. But I always say that goal, I, I think it was Willie Doyle who scored the winner. I'm not 100% certain. It seemed like the crowd sucked that ball <laughs> into the goal. It just, it just the noise level was just unbelievable, and as you said, I think that really set us off on a, on a high note, you know. But for more important for me was that second half. Those players went out and showed the mentality of what you have to be to, to play at Shamrock Rovers for such young players. I just thought it was fantastic.
1: Just kind of looking at the the, the backbone of your team, as you said, you, you wanted a fresh start. So I think only two or three players were retained from 2005. Barry Murphy, obviously won Derek Tracy, but he ended up retiring. Yeah. Uh you brought four players from Kilkenny, including your captain Aidan Price, and up top you had Tig Purcell who was top goal scorer. So would you point to those players as being key players that season?
0: Oh definitely. Um because I knew the, I knew that I knew those boys. You know, I had seen Barry Murphy play. Barry Barry was one of the players who the club and they were and on the board as well, they they definitely wanted Barry to stay. Um and I wanted Barry to stay as well. Fabulous goalkeeper. Wonderful goalkeeper. I've seen him play a few times um I was really impressed by him. Um thought there was things he could improve on, but once I met him and had chat with him, I knew his attitude was was, was really good. I think w- what was what was important was Aiden Price, Toig Porcel, David Cassidy, um Philip Shepherd came as well. But definitely like Aidan and Toig and David Cassidy would be good personalities to have in the dressing room. They would have walked with me at Kilkenny so they knew what way I'd done things, they knew the way that I wanted things done. Um, and they kind of showed everyone else the kind of way to do it, like, you know, get your head down, just, just do what you're told, you know, stick to the, the, the structures that we had, because I would have been very, you know, as I said, for me, being a footballer, what you eat, the way you train, the way you rest, what you do in your private life, you know, it's, everything's got to be centred around the game, the game that's coming up on the Friday or the Saturday, everything you do through that week has to be about, again, walking out on that pitch and going, I've done everything I can to give myself the best chance to play as well as I can, and to win the game you know and that's the most important thing and those boys had that same mentality you know Aidan and Toig would be very outspoken people they'd challenge me as a manager and say you know if they thought we were doing something wrong even I think Aiden was only 23 Toig was 20 you know but I love giving young players that 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 scope for their personality to develop and get better um, and the two boys went on you know not surprisingly had really good careers like you know but they were very important that year very important but I mean getting Gerald O'Brien you know the club really supported me getting Toig as well, you know, because he had a contract at Kilkenny, and gerald Brom was at uh, Kildare, um. And I really wanted jared Ger- I've seen Jar play a good few times over the years. Fabulous player, really, really good player. And I really wanted him, um. And and the board, to, to be fair, you know, everything I we wanted, we'd sit down and talk about it, and, and Jonathan and all would basically look. We'll try and do this that, and they basically delivered. Big time for me, like you know, big time, um. So the team we had, I thought we had a really, really good team, a good young team. I suppose inexperience would be something that maybe you could throw. We had we, we signed Ray Kenny again, who's a lad who never played so much in the Premier League, but definitely in the fourth division. Great character, fabulous person, um, was a foreman. And, and, you know, in that kind of a job, you have to have a good, strong personality and a good, strong character and a good organisation about you. And he was a wonderful player for us in that division, wonderful player. And uh, I thought we had the team. I definitely, I was very confident, confident in my own abilities. I thought we definitely had a team good enough to win the league, like, you know, and the fact that we started so well, I don't think we lost a game for the first 11 games, which I think gave everyone a, a good confidence boost. Um, and I always believed, and if you do things properly, when it comes to the crunch, all those, all those hard things that you've had to go through, they'll stand you in good stead, and I think that season definitely proved that.
1: When you talk to fans about that season, uh, they speak very fondly about some of the players I just mentioned. They're also quite amused about how many players featured that season. I think I added up once, 37. I mean, some left for different reasons. I think Shane Guthrie broke his leg. You brought in uh, Andy Myler mid-season. But um, it's, it's an awful lot of players for one season, isn't it?
0: Well. I I would always turn around and say, and, and I have this conversation with a lot of people. If, if in, in in my the way I look at it, is, I think it proves if you set a really high standard, so many players don't want to do that. Do you know, they want to have an easier an easier stroll at it, and and that for me wasn't acceptable. Do you know, if you were gonna if you were gonna come to Shamrock Rovers and with the standards that we had, and and again I would be very open with players. I would always say to them, look, this is what I expect you to do. This is what I expect you to eat. This is what i expect you to rest this is what i expect you to get ready for the game and if players had a problem with it the time to speak about that was before the season started do you know that was the time to to voice up and say look whatever and a lot of players i just think found it very hard to set to to stick to that standard you know as as, you know some people didn't like it um i remember i remember one player i rang and he said to me i said look i wouldn't play for you and i said why and he said, well, you like, i like to go off me a few drinks the weekend and stuff for like that, and maybe miss training every now and again. And I said, look, well, fair enough, I wouldn't like to manage you either. <laughs> and that's the way we finished the phone call. But I said, "That's that's. I think that's that, that would be my idea of why we'd so many players. Some players liked playing for me and some players didn't like playing for me. And that's just the personality. That I think I've always been like that. I have a kind of an abrasive personality. I can be very, very straight and very upfront with people. Some people like that and some people don't. I prefer that that way of dealing with people. And I think really good professionals like Aidan Price and like Ty Porcelain, Gerard O'Brien and Barry Murphy and all those young players, David Cassidy. You know, Andy Moyler was a brilliant signer for us. I, I love Andy Moyler as a player. I played with him at Toronto, always admired him. He's a wonderful player, a wonderful pair, wonderful guy. And when I spoke to Jonathan O'Knowell about possible targets when, when we got to the window, he was definitely a name that came up. And again, the board, you know, I just said, look, he's a signing that we, you know, if we do go up Andy is well, you know he's Premier League standard. We a shadow of a that. He's great quality, and signing him was a brilliant signing for us. Absolutely brilliant signing for us, and made a big difference for us in the running as well. Like you know, so as I said, that's you know the, you know players who come in. You know I think they kind of they they know very quickly what way it's going to be, and you know as I said, likewise I didn't like I didn't like playing for managers who I would deem a little bit loose and a little bit too sloppy. Some players don't like playing for managers who are very well organized and very, you know, kind of professional in the way we want to go about it uh, Stanaway Park just around the corner from yourself actually uh, is, that, is that where we trained that season? Yeah we trained there for two or, th- for two or three years and g- again great guys helped us hugely you know helped us hugely and we used to get me the staff used to get there we'd get the goals out and that's what I'm saying look we didn't have much money but we, we worked hard the board again great credit we worked very hard to find places that we could go that, that standard would be good You could be, I anyone went up to where training and seen us training in Stanaway Park you know i'm fair i think the guy's name was ray again helped us all brilliant brilliant and he got the pitches in as good a condition as he could get us we had the goals out we had all we had everything you needed if you'd have walked past us in our training you' turn around and gone that looks really really good you know people say standaway park is just a public park but we made it our training ground and that's what we did you know we tried to do everything to the best that we possibly could do it now, there was a great cup run in 2006 we, we can touch on that in
1: a moment if you like but um if you had to point to a couple of games in the league season that year out of the thirty-six games, would there be one or two you point to where it was maybe a turning point or we're on our way now? Um,
0: yeah, de- I think definitely. Um, the one, the one game that sticks in my mind would be. I've, I've always, I've always said to the, said to the boys like, you know, I think it's good if you start the season well. It gives you a bit of confidence, gives you that little bit of belief. The middle part of the season for me is all about making sure you're in contention. You know, kind of come the last ten, eight games. You know that's kind of that middle part of that season. Can you be in contention? The end bit is all about your principle. You know, it's all about the walk you've put in, the way you've done it, how you believe you should go about your business. And I remember we went up to play Limerick away and I think we had like eight games to go and it was real tight. I think we had been deducted a few points for that little mix up in the, with, the, with Paul Shields. Um, and we beat them 2-0. I think Andy scored an unbelievable volley, unbelievable volley. And I think he scored the other goal as well. But we went, out, we went out that night, and after that game, f- for me, and I spoke to the staff and I went, we looked like champions today. And we did. In that game, we looked like champions. And I don't think we lost a game. I think the last night, again, my memory's not great, maybe eight, nine, ten games, something like that. We didn't lose a game uh, in the running. But that game, that night, I walked away from that and taught myself, you know, that's everything I love about... A team that I'm involved in to look at those boys and we and again I think the club be very very proud. But that was a night where we what we looked like champions.
1: The fans, like I said, they finally remember the season. They they jokingly called Discover Ireland because there was no only dubbing team in the division. Did they support us up and down the country that year?
0: Ah, look, at this Shamrock Rovers fans are brilliant. Like you know they are they're, they're fantastic. You know they'll give you a little bit of stick and you know they'll give you a bit of hammer sometime and stuff for that. But that's just because they care about the club and they love the club. But that's they're real proper real proper supporters. They travel everywhere, you know. They get behind you, um, you know. Uh, they do. They do put a huge, you know, kind of pressure on players and managers and stuff for that. But that's the demands of the club, like you know. That's and that's why it's so important that you have the right people at the club who accept those demands and are used to them and, and don't have a problem with it, like you know. And uh, I, they, they, you know, they are the best supporters in this country by a long, long way. By a long, long way. And I think we were we were talking earlier. I think, been the stadium for that 20, whatever it was, 23 years, I don't think there's another club, Barsham or Grovers that could have kept it going. And it was the fans that kept it going, beyond no illusion. It was the supporters that kept that club going. And, and that's where I said it's great now to see how good they're doing now at the present.
1: And the run to the club semi-finals was just a bonus, really, wasn't it? And to come from behind win in alone in the rugby ground, on TG4... Uh, Beating Bowes in the replay, Uh, we spoke to Bowes yesterday. His penalty save against Gareth Farrelly, which got him sacked—that's one of his favourite moments. So, what do you remember
0: about those two games? That game was fabulous. The Bowes game was great. For me, that that game was all about the fans because I think that, if I'm not mistaken, we were in the running then. It was coming, it was close. It was definitely kind of second middle, maybe come towards the end um, of the season, and obviously getting Bowes in the cup. And the the fans had been great. We were, we think we were, we were top. Um, at the time when we were second, we were definitely in, in contention to win it anyway. And I just thought that that game was a great draw for us. Um, you know, they're the, the, the main rivals for Shamrock Rovers, And I think, you know, they were brilliant going to, as you said, going to Limerick and going to Athlone and going to all those probably unfamiliar places that they, that, they, that they had to go to. Finn Harps is always a horrendous trip for anybody. Um, and I just thought it was a great treat And I really wanted to make sure that we did ourselves proud in those games um and we put a huge emphasis into the preparation going into those matches that it was nothing to forget about the league the league was to a different box now and this was all our focus was purely on these games and i'd been to see bows a couple of times and i really felt we had a chance you know i really felt we had a chance um i know gareth um from from playing against me a few times and i've met a few times he's a, he's a nice guy um but i really felt there was a lot of things that we had that team ethic that team walk rate that organization, that resilience, that hunger to win, I thought we had those things more in abundance than they had. Um and I thought we well deserved to win over the two legs. We well deserved. I think, you know, that's what I think about about players' character. David Cassidy um uh, missed a chance, I think, in the forced um leg at right at the end of the game and it was one all, I think, and he he was true on the keeper and and, and unfortunately the keeper made a good save to be fair. And I I know Castle was really, really disappointed. Um and I think people, obviously, I think at the Cup, they thought that was their chance gone. That was Bowe's. They were a Premier League team. We had, we had home advantage in the first game. And a lot of them is usually, you know, in the second game, in Daly Mount, they were going to beat us, you know? And I think people like David Cassidy showed his mental strength, showed his character. And I said to the players before the game, I said, look, we're fitter than them. We're stronger than them. We're a better club than them. I said, we have nothing to fear out in that pitch. And again, you know, we went out and it was brilliant night. It was a fantastic. I got sent off, unfortunately, but I think um, it was a good distraction for us to get that second goal. That's <laughs> that's the only reason I got sent off. But it was a great game. You know, we played so well. Um, Barry making that save, and it was again. You know, you don't need to see anyone getting sacked. You know, that was unfortunate for Gareth. But again, that's football. That's the way football is. And but we well deserved to win. That we well deserved to win. It. And we were very unlucky in the semi final against Pat's. I thought we played brilliant. I thought we played so well. We were missing a few players, but. You know, our, our focus was always the league. You know, that was our main focus, and uh, it was a great cup run. Went really well. Played really, really well. But again, you know, we—I said to the players when when Pat's not us out we could won. We could have won that cup, the FA. If we hadn't got promoted, it would have been a failure for me. Like you know, it would have been a failure. The, the league was was the be all and end all of everything for us.
1: We got the cove on the last day of the season, uh, needing uh, at least a point to. To seal the title. The fans took uh, planes, trains, automobiles, is Celtic Tiger days, wasn't it? And um, another penalty saved by Baz and eventually we, we get
0: the late goal from, from Tiger Purcell, so that must be a, a great memory. It was a brilliant memory. It was a tough game, and Cove always is a hard place to go to, but again we had great support. Great, great, great fans come came down and it was a tough, hard, hard night, tough game. And of course they scored and and when they score for us they can be very difficult. Steven Henderson a good manager um, and I always set his teams out good and it was it was tough it was very very hard to kind of get back into it but again I think everything we had done I, I, I you know I think the Finn Harps game at home the week before um, when we were at home and we beat them 4-0 I think you know we couldn't you know that, it, there was no Dundalk weren't going to catch us on goal difference you know we had done great when we had got the points deducted to recover from that we had done brilliantly. And i think every challenge that, that that young team had had come across for the season <clears throat> they had they had you know they had more than faced it up and, and beat it and that was a great challenge for i think whatever it was when toy got the target toy got that goal and it was a great finish um you know and it just summed up the season you know i just think you know cove you know you know really pulled it up to us that night and we although we probably thought look you know we, we could make we, we could do it anyway without winning that wasn't the mindset of that team those players didn't want that and when the challenge was there wherever it was left 15 minutes to go to get a goal you know they pressed and pressed and pressed and worked so hard and had the right mentality and had the right attitude and a lot, a lot of it we I think we scored a lot of goals in the last kind of five minutes of that season because I think we wore teams down like, like we were so fit they were so dedicated you know the football was a big part of our lives and uh, and I think we just wore teams down and I think that was that was the case in the Cove and it was you know that night was a great night when we won it it was brilliant for the fans and we had a great night back in the hotel lot of singing, a lot, lot of dancing and stuff. For that it was, it was great fun, but it was great to just kind of know that we had won it. Um It was a huge relief, I mean, that we had just, we had been successful.
1: I don't know if you realise how famous your victory speech is uh, that night. Do you remember what you said?
0: No. <laughs> that just shows you. I
1: think people were questioning if you were playing the Shamrock Brothers oh, way. I remember,
0: that. that's right. I remember that. I remember that. I do remember that now. I do remember that. Yeah, I do. And look, that's what I'm saying. I, 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 I 100%... Um, understand. You get a club like Shamrock Rovers, there's a huge history um, to that um, and there's a certain standard of, of the way they, they, they play and the way they want to go about it and going back from years and years and years where they had fabulous players and fabulous teams. But this was a start, this was a new start and I think it's really, really important that when you start, you, you, you have to have a foundation, you have to have the proper structure put in place that you, when, you, when you hopefully be successful, you're going to be successful for a long, long time. You know, you, anyone can build a success on money. That's a short-term thing. The money runs out. The success is gone. The bar didn't want to do that. The club board didn't want to do that. You know, we, we had worked so hard as a club to get there. And, I, and that's, so I can't remember the exact word, but if someone did show, you know, we want to play more like the Shamrock Rovers, where I think I said we did play like the Shamrock Rovers, where we won. Is that what I think it was something like that, wasn't it? I think it was the effect of, uh, we are Shamrock Rovers and we fucking win. And we win, yeah. And, that, I'm, and that's what I'm saying. I think that's a mentality that, you know, you, you have to have at that club. You know, you have to have that at Shamrock Rovers. You've got to have players who understand what they're walking into. Um, and those players proved that. Those players proved that. And that you'll never, ever, you know, keep everybody happy. Some, that's football. Everyone has a different opinion. of The way, as I said, you people have different ways of doing things. And, you know, but I, just, I was so proud of what we did that season because I just thought there was a real principle and a real value to it. You know there was it was set in stone what we wanted to do and everyone everyone done it everyone bought into it everyone and the, the, the i include mean, the fans you know they were, we got great support that year there was times where we play i think we played a game in kilkenny and we drew i think nil all and the fans absolutely slaughtered us slaughtered me slaughtered the players absolutely torrent us as we were walking off the pitch and look that's that's a big club that's a big club you drop your standards and you and you're gonna you know you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna to get told very very quickly and that's that's where a big club is all about I, I thought it was it was a wonderful year really enjoyed it. and that's what I said it was great for me as a manager um, for all the, the, I'm a great believer in, in principles and values and you know everything I believe in was in that season everything I believe in was in that season. There
1: was a few controversies after pitch that that year wasn't there like you mentioned there the the uh, the three points deduction. Yeah. For Shields, uh Dun fans obviously not happy that they weren't promoted at the end of that year. And uh, you you got in trouble as well for something you said on T V three about needing to t- tighten up the rule book. Um can you remember going on T V and saying that and the the repercussions?
0: I always get in trouble. That's not new, <laughs> there's nothing new about that. I actually didn't say it. That's the that was the disappointing thing for me. I thought, you know, there were certain certain things maybe that I just thought they they were looking for something to have a little go at us at us a little bit. Um I think sometimes maybe certain people don't like Sam was doing well. Um and there's a little bit of jealousy there. Um and I and I it was actually um Trevor Welch who said it. I actually agreed with him. That's all I did. I just agreed with him. Um and when I went up when I went into the, 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 the FAO they called me up and I got fined and, and I, I, I that's basically what I said I, said, I didn't even say it. I didn't say anything. It wasn't me that said it. I said you know, bring Trevor in. They went, well, it doesn't matter. You're a manager, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And, you know, they would But you, you could kind of tell as soon as you went in, you know, I was going to get nailed. Um, and as I said, that's I'm saying. I, you know, to be honest, I wasn't going to pay that fine. And, and, and I didn't pay that fine. I I, I felt very strongly um, that I didn't do anything wrong. If I'd have done something wrong, I'd hold my hand up and say, look, you know, I was out of order there. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think at the end of it, I think... I think TV3 actually paid some of it, and I think Shamrock Rovers paid some of it. And I remember Jonathan Rowe saying to me, he said, but you won't be able to manage this. I said, well, that's fine, I won't manage again. Like, I said, because I'm not going to do something that I don't believe is right. And, and, and I thought that was wrong. I think I, I thought, yeah, and I do believe it was the, the club more than me. I think I, you know they wanted to unsettle us a little bit. Um, and, I, and I thought it was a very poor decision, really, really poor decision to get fined for something that I didn't say. All I, said, I, I just agreed, I agreed with a comment that was made. Um, and I think Ollie Bourne was that was at that meeting, and he actually said he said I can't believe we're having this conversation, and I, and that's the way I felt about it. I thought it was a, it was a silly thing um, to get pulled up, but again the the club handled it really well. And as I said, look, you know there was there were the board was so supportive um, of me, and you know obviously that's you know I can be quite headstrong in on, on these situations and stuff for that, but I believed I didn't do anything wrong, so I certainly wasn't going to get punished for it.
2: Yeah, so that was Paprov and. Um what that's that's like it seems like he's wasted not in football anymore. I'd love to see him involved in football.
1: After hearing that, anyway, it's crazy that. Well, he, he talks about managing Limerick. That's just part one. Uh, part two comes up later on. He talks about managing Limerick. He was there four years. Got them promoted. Couple of cool and anecdotes uh, about
2: Brad's art coming up.
1: Yeah, but um, it's crazy that he's been in the game that long. I think he's still with Tad It, isn't he? That's what he said to me. When I met. Oh, did he say I didn't mention that on air? I remember Dan Devine telling me that he was a bit mad. Yeah, me and, and, and Kane went up to him in nice for, for that interview. And uh, that's, where, that's where he's living now.
2: Yeah, so Prop, unfortunately, we lost 3-1 away to balls. Leon Paul started again. Um, <sighs> Fail, I'm a happy man. I'm not... I, I think that... Man- no offence to Leon, I just think Manus should be here. And they racking up appearances and clean sheets and trying to break records and things like that. I just... It cost us, we'll talk about it briefly, but it did cost us eventually because he was, personally, I think he was at fault for a
1: couple of the goals. I presume Alan has come back in for, for a draw, though. But, um, yeah, I mean, defensively, a couple of these goals were, were poor, weren't they? Yeah. They As really Brad just said yeah. afterwards, we didn't deserve ending from the game. We're not even going <laughs> to review the game much at all, to be honest. No, no, not really. Um, no, I, I didn't even see it live. <laughs> I was had a work thing. and there, was, there were a couple of lads there who were, you know, give me updates on the score, but, uh, I never even went back and watched it.
2: Yeah, fortunately, but Grace was captain prof, scored an OG, this is two weeks in a row now, he's had a bit of a mare, so it's just a little blip, Lee Grace is a Rolls Royce, as we say. Um, Section A was closed again, FAI closed it off, due to the cup game, and the shenanigans of Bo's staff, <laughs> so that was closed down, for A, and they had their staff removed as well, so the FAO, it was an FAI
1: gig, the FAI were the stewards, so, yeah, that's what happens when you act the bollocks, Prof. You made me laugh on the day. Because um, the game wasn't an RTE. So you had kind of Rovers fans from from all over the place kind of looking for a place to watch the game. And you said they were wandering around like zombies. Yeah, <laughs> games. <laughs> games. <laughs> games. No way organised. For Pro? <laughs> um, we
2: warmed up in the 2021 Champions Shorts, Prof. And played in the new one as well. New <coughs> kit. Absolute <coughs> cracker. Gorgeous. Got Jade in it. Hope he's not listening. It's actually a Christmas present, but
1: um yeah. So yeah, beautiful, beautiful shirts. Uh, green, loved, green love, shorts though.
2: I, I want green I shorts. I think so.
1: Yeah, I want green shorts. Love the detail, the the shamrock and the ball. Yeah, the print really, really yeah. cool. Yeah, Twiggy and McIniff were impressed with the jersey. Yeah, it's and a so was our own Barry. He said, "My God, boys, that jersey is sexy." gonna look well with my man bag in Europe (laughs) yes bouncing around some random European city
2: Um, so yeah they were warming up 2021 t-shirts those are available in the shop as well and we gave ourselves a guard of honour which once again boiled piss left right and centre
1: yeah I think some people took this too seriously it was, Yeah It was done with tongue in cheek wasn't it
2: I think so We we boiled piss and it was it was kind of like I think it was done to do that you know what I mean let's let's mm-hmm. fucking let's show them you know what I mean I've heard people say it back for it I'm like yeah, in, in, what, have, in what way We're in the
1: fucking league man we're champs you know what I mean Fair enough we lost mm. but anyway. I just I just don't give a shit about Guard of Honours mm. Like there's no obligation to do it No We no. didn't have to do it for Sligo in 2012 so we didn't we spoiled the party Mm-hmm. I never expected bows to do it. I wouldn't expect us to do four bows. I just, don't I just people make a big deal. But yeah, I know, of I know. I think it's an unwritten thing,
2: isn't it? Really. Mm. We we'll move on to the Danny Goldo prop. This is actually a very nice goal. I was into this uh, lovely little pass, <coughs> laid it off, whipped into the box, and Danny nods it in, and then booked for and it was an exit in the field. He didn't even he didn't leave the pitch. Booked
1: for standing. On the pitch and kissing his wrist. Mm, Now, you could say he was inciting something, but kissing the tattoo and everything. Explain (laughs) to me how you can incite something when there's no away fans on the ground and everywhere you turn is just home fans. Yeah. And you're standing on the pitch and you do the celebration that you do every week. How is this a yellow card? Did you hear what that tick? (laughs) asked Stephen Stephen Bradley? What? On RT app. No, no, no. She just asked him, like, uh, is this I, Siobhan oh you know who it was <laughs> she's like oh, what about the the celebration afterwards Danny in front of the crowd and Brazier just goes you know he celebrates like that every week he, <laughs> he has something on his wrist that means something to him so he kisses it every week and he just paused whoosh tumbleweeds oh god do your research um, but, 50 um, Stewart's on duty as well
2: probably no way fans yeah, we did. We got a few a few snuck in, but Balls couldn't even sell out two tours of
1: the Jody. <coughs> I think it was maybe half of, or a dozen or so. Hoops incognito, yeah. uh, something we said we'd never was do it, again, wasn't it? Was it was it Darren Heffernan pretending he was there? I don't know. Was <laughs> he? <laughs> he was sending pictures from someone else just to kind of wind up Balls fans. Mm, yeah, man, he yeah. wasn't actually in the Mount but um, yeah. So the Balls commentator. Apparently, these were, as usual, just wrecking. They had it in for Brad, didn't they? Wrecking people's heads. Uh, they said that Danny shouldn't be celebrating in front of their fans. <sighs> That's parent parcel of football, man. Abused all year. And he can't give it back.
2: Are He's you sco- for real? And he scores in their backyard. Yeah. And, oh, you know, yeah, I'm just going to walk away and go back to the centre circle
1: here. And Great show by Gar Brennan. He's, he calls him John Delaney's love child. Ah, yes. That presenter that's actually spot on um, yeah you're just a shit Preston Reject
2: rang out in the stands they sang twin twenties back playing in Ireland for the champions with a big wedge in the bank um, they they would snap your hand off for a grain book
1: and you know what I mean. I mean, most of these players would walk into that Bows team. Let's be honest. Well, we played that clip last week, didn't we, from Berkey? And he said that he tends to get the most stick, aside from Danny. Yeah, think. he's a, he's a local, yeah. you
2: could say, isn't he? He's Sean McDermott Street, so he's in the round there. You know,
1: he might know a lot of the fans, so they just tend to latch onto him. Yeah. So both Long and Bradshaw were sent off. I think they head s- to head, prof. They squared up to each other, but the stream didn't show it. And, but I'm sure Long won't miss the cup final. Not like Brad, not like Bradger did like last year. I'm sure he'll be back for the cup final no problem. And then we had a call from With Philly McGuire a sure media mogul said the moment of tonight
2: that I will say you missed is when it was all kicking off at the end of the corner. Both fans running over the shout of players and officials and a certain individual we won't name him we won't name this one he unzips his Rover's top and reveals a t-shirt that reads one Stephen Bradley and starts singing 19 champions. Some more
1: piss being boiled there. Excellent shithousery.
2: Oh who this fellow I was running off the street yeah. Um and prof, have we not shown up in derbies this season? Not in Daddy Mount anyway, that's for sure. We haven't really.
1: Three defeats out of three in Denny Mount. This but.
2: sparked massive debates, didn't it, <coughs> about people giving out about not showing up for the derby, but we're champions and should we just lie down and take it and even though we're champs and I think my opinion ultimately is that I would like to win these games, obviously. I think we look look at the bigger picture, we are the champs. We we didn't show up there, it's unfortunate. But we go through the motions with this, like we've had Bo's number for a while now, mm. and we've bet them a couple of times five times in a row. We've five times in a row, you know. So these things yeah. happen, and you just look at the bigger picture with champs. We
1: won the home game at the start of the season, we went down to 10 men. Obviously, home still got a point out of it. I lost it. Yeah, but the, the cup one that was the one that's the one that hurt. Yeah, this didn't hurt at all. This was this was a dead rubber the cup, was a stinger. Yeah. Although I understand fans saying this was our chance to doom them to fifth place although they might still get Europe from the cup. Yeah. Do the players care about that though? I don't think so. I think the players care about
2: the players do care about the Derby I think. I think because it's personal now. It seems to be personal for the players and that's (coughs) something that it wasn't really the case for a couple of seasons. It wasn't really personal with Bowles, but now it is because of what has happened previously. We just didn't show up on the day, but I think the players do care about the derby now because of the personal attachment that's there. And there's probably not really much
1: love between the players, so I think I think it is. I think it's possible, but you got to look at the timing of the game. Like yes, the players want to be Bowles, but it was the second last game of the season, and when you're champions mentally, you're just going to kind of drop off towards the end yeah, yeah. last year we had that motivation of finishing unbeaten so it was very unlikely we were going to lose any of those remaining games this season yeah we won for a but we got beaten in this one mm. but the, sure enough there was still a meltdown on Facebook Harry. did you say someone said people were saying they've scored more goals than us yeah Alright, can we? Do you want to swap, do you? Want to swap, do, you? Do, you want, do you want to take fifth spot and then let them
2: be the champs? Would we'll you stop? Prof is only. Prof's bursting his lungs here again. We thought we, we got over this illness, Prof. We're, we're starting, to, starting to feel shite again.
1: Is it just me this week? Once you get to bed before 12, you'd be grand. Do you remember my edits from the show two weeks ago? It was just a page of cough, 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 I had to go back in and edit out my coughs. And then that made me cough again Just listening to them It did yeah it is It's, it's, a, Horrible. it's a It's a mentality thing But um I think I said this before On the podcast That um The season after we beat Um and Bill Grade In 2011 Avram Grant The former Chelsea manager Took over them And he won the league with them But he lost all three derbies To Red Star Almost sacked And they sacked them Yeah I think it's insane man. That is mad. It's mental, isn't it? You've got trophy trophy yeah. in your fucking cabinet and you're still getting sacked. But um, yeah, not much is not much has changed since since last week the guy, despite that result. Yeah. We uh It's all positive, loads of things, loads to look forward to. We're still champions. Yeah. We're still champions. The government are still useless ticks. Yeah. <laughs> uh Eamon Sweeney and Noel King are still absolute spas and oxygen teams. <laughs> Cork Tom is still a scruffy knacker.
2: <laughs> Everything's the same, really. Do you know what is nuts about this Noel King fella? And do you know what? I hate to say it. A certain individual on Twitter actually made some sense. We've had our, our barbs with him before. But it was a comment was made that like this is all... RTE sit around in a room and discuss what they're going to put out as regards to what goes on to social media and what interviews they're going to do. And this is actively... A way a war waged against Stephen Kenny, because of putting Noel King in there talking about not giving him a contract and putting him in there purely. <laughs> why, why? Why? are they putting him in there? They know he's gonna. So what he say? And they obviously proofread this before it goes out. And they're looking at it going. Okay, well he's saying Kenny doesn't want a contract. It's a, he's a horrible, horrible individual with no football nous at all. Mm. And they still seem to put him in here. Like see what he said to that poor girl. <laughs> well, that's mainly what I'm referring to. That's that's shocking. Do you know what I mean? That's totally mm-hmm. condescending and he should never ever work immediately, media again we, or football. I don't think so. I
1: think he's terrible. We've been consistent on this show I think for four years now. We hate Null King. Yeah,
2: I think so. Yeah. Um, so fourth spot, Prof, it's heating up and Derry and Bow's level on points but Bows a better goal difference that could potentially come in and make a difference.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Bow's are way to Sligo. <laughs> You'd see Bowes winning that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Sligo like, nothing to play for. Um... Derry are rated on Doc who also don't have anything to play for. Interesting there like half the Dendock players are going to Derry next season. That's oh, I was thinking about I was cycling to work the other day and I was thinking to myself they want to play in <clears> Europe. <throat> have they got one eye on Derry making Europe this season? Do you know what I mean? Yeah like why would McElhinney and Duffy be motivated Exactly, to They want game? the
2: European trip next season they want the bonuses they want to be able to play in Europe so Maybe. they could effectively ruin their own season next year.
1: I reckon Perth will start all of them on the
2: bench. Yeah, I wouldn't play them. Yeah. I 100% wouldn't play those players. They've, they're have they leaving. <coughs> and they've got... Like, they're gone. They are gone. Same as way Joey's gone. Like, they're gone. So, I wouldn't be playing them.
1: Well, here's my... I'll, I'll let you... Um, I'll let you have your prediction for a fourth spot and the relegation spot in the mound, race. I'm just going to give you all my predictions in one go, right? Derry to finish fourth. Okay. Ahead of bows, But... Sadly, you know what happens in the cup final? Yeah. Waterford and Harps both win. Ooh. But Harps had the better goal difference, so Waterford go into the into the relegation spot. And then UCD <laughs> beat them. Oh, what? In the That's my prediction. I'm going to go
2: I'm going to agree with everything there bar the UCD playoff. I'm going to say Harps stay up. Um I just think they have is their best squad in the world. Like well they have wrong for the home. Yeah. I just I just think that they will I think they'll 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 be able to take a. so you think U C D would beat Harps in the playoff final? Yeah. I think Harps would beat them, I think they've too much, likes a Thunday, Like likes a Seymour, like it's a Bidey. I think they will have too much for them. Hopefully anyway, because
1: we don't we don't want U C D to come up, let's be honest. Well, I don't mind U C D coming up, but I also want Mark Bersham to stay in the, <laughs> <laughs> the He's gone if they go down, let's <coughs> be honest. That's the he's problem. Gone. But he's gone mad the last your interview, isn't he? Because they took the lead I could just saw your head shift there. <laughs> just to brace yourself for the voice. It's just ridiculous. They've taken the lead in the last three games and they didn't win any of them. And like it could have been in their own hands going into the last day. And now it is going to come down to goal difference and that 7-0 draw of the he match. He was really
2: pissed off with our game yeah. as well, wasn't he? He was really pissed off with that and he
1: hammered <coughs> the players afterwards. And I, I don't know if, if you
2: think that's the right thing to do. Do you absolutely slaughter your players and then will they play for you after that or will they react?
1: It depends on the dressing room, really. So what has Mark Pershing been saying, Garrett, about the last two games? Also about how he, for some disgusting reason, drinks Guinness with blackcurrant. What, what, oh, what's got, he saying? Oh, no, the fucking bar.
2: This is a bar, mate. it's a fucking Guinness. I want a fucking Guinness. Has me a fucking Guinness. It's got fucking... No, fucking blackcurrant in it, you fucking mag. We the fucking blackcurrant wibbly wobbly other than that though that was that was Mark Berge how, how can anyone put blackcurrant in Guinness I actually wasn't going to do it I'm done I think I'm done now I think I'm finished things my system I don't think I'll ever talk about Bertram again because <laughs> he puts Guinness in his blackcurrant or get his blackcurrant in his Guinness who does that
1: get out of the pub get out of the
2: pub that re- I, genuinely when I heard that I just thought I actually lost respect I actually lost respect for him now because he's, he's a proper geezer isn't he and putting black just corns on like, his wife,
1: that would be, it's sickening what would even be going on <laughs> in the glass I just like what's happening in the glass when you pour that in two of us are bewildered here yeah what's
2: happening in the glass Yeah, <laughs> the poor Guinness We Dan McDonald. he says Colin Whelan and Maher are not coming to us so Dan's usually uh, a <coughs> beacon of truth Unfortunately, really, but listen, Colin Whelan has more than a year in his contract. Maher is supposed to be getting rave reviews. Um, this is something that we talked about as well the goalkeeping crisis. It's looming over us. It's absolutely terrifying. It's something we need to. I'm sure the management team are addressing it and they're looking, and they've been actively looking at it since uh, since the start of the season, I'd imagine. So I've all faith in them.
1: Well, McDonald did add this uh, caveat. He said that Colin Whelan will probably move in the summer when he finishes his uh, degree yeah 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 and if you remember we signed Scales and Gary O'Neill in a summer ooh two years ago Prof's got perspective that's when these UCD players tend to move isn't it yeah and um, we mentioned earlier how Wadford kind of blew it there uh, Dean Williams scored against him <laughs> in that one all draw and did you see his celebration what was that about
2: uh, I don't know I'm guessing he was getting stick that's the only thing he, he went think full
1: messy. I don't know, it was a strange
2: one. We'll, find, we'll try and find out. Of number some number of 10 shirt sure was. Brilliant. Yeah, it was an odd one, wasn't it? I'm, I'm guessing he was getting stick off the Waterford fans, maybe, because he was Rovers, you know, something like that. Bit of a bit of needle there with Rovers and Waterford now. But yeah, so that's McDonald giving us some truth. Hopefully, we can take Wheeling in because he's getting rave reviews. Kerrigan getting some good reviews as well. I mean Jimmy Jilton, got Dundalk and uh, a new takeover, which is good for the club. It is ultimately go for the club. It's been a couple of the banter years have been interesting. Um Magilton gone probably I think something about a severance package. I think it was possibly lower than he would
1: have wanted, but he had a four year contract. He'd actually, been
2: very, he? very um he been very quiet as of late and we haven't heard anything mm. from him. So it's an absolute shit show in Dundalk and I'd say probably you know, good riddance to peak six, but um Elite European club, Dundalk <laughs> Elite European club. You have no away section. And
1: Gareth, we are both out of the last man
2: Both, standing. Pats did me, Pats did me in. I actually only found out the next day, I was disgusted. Two all against Harps did me yeah. in and it's getting close now.
1: Um, well well you, lasted, you lasted a week longer than me in fairness but uh, don't worry Gareth, someday, <laughs> someday you'll win. <laughs> the last man standing, for real. What do they call me, and pot sharer? lifting pot sharer. Yeah so Ireland News Prof Luxembourg, this is a very, very enjoyable match I have to say. I only watched the second half, which was quite suitable, really, because that's when it got going. The last half hour were very impressive. Gavin Bizzuno, um who is not human. <laughs> second best save I've ever seen. Second best? What's the
2: first? Oh, You, oh. Know, you know the first. Yeah, Thompson. Yeah. Um, yeah, so very, very enjoyable, I have to say. And it's good to see, <laughs> and I have to say, I watched the. Uh, the fans at the end of that game and it was impressive. Like there was a good, good crowd there. Was Deadly it, little stadium. Was that thousand they said went over? Um it looked like it, man. They packed yeah. out that away. And, and the funny thing was, like, people are talking about eighty million for that stadium. <coughs> Did you act, actually look and look into that stadium? It wouldn't surprise me if it was eighty million. It was impressive. All the lighting in around the back of it, the way it was structured, like that is an extremely impressive stadium. Mm. That's not that's not just a concrete cast Made in Sweden and shipped over and lashed, lashed up by a
1: council. It's not not slagging us, but that is an impressive mm. stadium. No Weed. Lego seats. No Lego seats. Not yeah, that's, that. that's a new one, isn't it? No, I didn't look into it, but from what I saw, yeah, oh, you see what you mean. Gorgeous stadium, Very and I can see stadium. why it would cost that much. But because um, Luxembourg was a money pit anyway, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, before the match, uh, great interview with Gavin Bazzunu talking about you know I am a Shamrock Rovers fan. Drop the hoops, and I think it was Cam Murphy was saying on his podcast this week it's like he said Con said growing up in the in the 70s and 80s it was kind of embarrassing to follow Sean and to be a Rowers fan everyone in school would be United and Liverpool and now when you've got Gavin Bizzuno on TV saying I'm a Sham McGrath fan it's not it's cool now yeah definitely it's and we're still, still trying to get a
2: t-shirt out over to him matching Bizzuno with the 50s colours yeah. on him
1: so we mentioned that outrageous save because like it, it gets a deflection and he still just stretches somehow. Like it should go in the corner. It's going into the corner corner. There's like no right to get any fingers in this ball. Absolutely outrageous. Ridiculous! Brilliant uh, piece by Neil O'Rearden. Just uh about Ireland, but mostly Bizzuno. A bows man as well. Yeah. No, just brilliant piece. Look it up if you hadn't read that, just uh, look up Captain
2: Bizzuno. Um So we Jake Prof and he says, In town now lads in the pub in Ireland
1: scarves wondering what the atmosphere here will be like. It's just lost on them, isn't it? <sighs> stuff like this and United shirts and scarves being sold outside the Aviva for the Portugal game. Liverpool fans booing Ronaldo during the Portugal game. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Rangy stuff. Uh, Pico Prof. Pico. I actually well, talked talk this Pico, just, just a bit more on Ireland. Um, James Law made a great point that Bazunu will likely win senior international player of the year.
2: Imagine that, nineteen that, years of age. That is crazy. Who else is going to win?
1: No one else. Robinson, in with the show.
2: Uh It's very true. Very true. Yeah, because yeah. he's, he's had a good. He's he's got a hat, he got a hat trick, didn't he? And then he scored a mm. couple of goals. But it's just really refreshing to see a team like this. And what we said, I'd love for someone to come back and listen to what we said about us talking about Ireland and saying there is no expectations. We said this a long time ago. When Kenny comes in. Your expectations are gone. Scrap them. Put them in the bin. We're not going to qualify for the next two years, the next two tournaments. We're going to build a team around all these young guys and have a good footballing mm-hmm. team. D- don't have expectations to qualify. Let's all start from scratch. Let's build something. Mm-hmm. That's the way it should be. It's like we did with Rovers. We built it from scratch. We Our expectations, fair enough, we did have some. But we, we, we tore it all down and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build something. And that's what ultimately he's doing there. And he's doing a good job.
1: McCarthy and O'Neill would have finished third in that group as well, and just except that it would have been turgid to watch.
2: Yeah, yeah, they would have got maybe a late winner here and there, and people
1: would have thought, "Oh, it's great, it's great, it's great atmosphere." At least no. it's fun watching Ireland again, <sighs> and that the second and third goals. Have you ever seen Ireland score goals like that? I didn't even like. Are you Brazilian? The sky is like it's ridiculous goals. Absolutely brilliant. Reading the Herald the next day, and I. I always like reading the player ratings. Some like I've not watched every Ireland game in the last few years. Sometimes I just throw have half an eye in it. But I always like to check out the ratings to see sort of like which players are being consistent in the qualifiers. Who's always getting a six or a five. Who's who's getting the audits here, who have you noticed? Yeah. And Jason Knight (laughs) comes on in the sixty first (laughs) minute and he has a nine out of (laughs) ten. He deserved it. I can't remember how many nines I've seen in that paper in the last five years for a 90 minute performance he played half an
2: hour yeah he was, was involved in all three
1: goals like it's crazy really
2: really, really highly rated as well You're a great great young player and it's good to see all this like looks like, like Josh Cullen and all these good footballers it's, it's it's really good to see yeah so yeah good stuff prop. we're actually and funnily enough Lar my missus made a good observation I actually sat down I've been sitting down to, watching, to watch the Ireland games
1: and she's like you never watch these games <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't. They're right. So it, it's, it's fun again. A little observation, yeah. Um, great show by Kieran, by gentleman at work. Um, he's he's blown away by the multitude of Rovers f- songs we have. The variety of them and how many there are is very impressive. It's nuts, isn't it? And then he compared that to Ireland, because he's a big Ireland fan, has been for a long time. And he's like, Ireland have two songs. We have Come On You Boys in Green and James McLean, Haste the Queen. And Ole, Ole, <laughs> ole, ole, Ole. But uh, funny yeah. enough, we sat down. I told you about
2: the, the music bingo, and that is a goer. That's going to happen. Watch out for Rovers bingo. I sat down during this bingo, it was like Halloween music, but I sat down, me and Nate and Dongo, and we sat down and we were talking about, we should do a Rovers one of these. And within 15 minutes, we had 40 Rovers songs. 40. No, you need Jeez. about 45, 50. So we got to 50 eventually. But in the space of 15 minutes, we have 40 to 45 Rover songs all written out, thinking about former players, thinking about songs we sing, and we had at least 40 that are affiliated with Rover, so it was, it was
1: class. It shows your music goes hand in hand, doesn't it? And just, just like Kieran, I, I gave him a stick a few weeks ago because I reminded him of what he said about an atmosphere in a pub in the United Liverpool match. But fair Fairness Kieran, he's one of us now. He's safe to say he's hooked, he's gone to Tad every week. He, he loves the life of football now. He's one of us, and that's the thing. Like, there's a couple
2: of people in work who've been asking about it, and there is there is a bit of a bandwagon there, and I'm gladly let people mm. jump on board. But they'd say, oh, I don't know, you know," and I was I was saying, "You need to make time." Like I said to you, when you when you first start going, there, gone. It's all or nothing. You got to make time for it. It's your new social life as well. Some sometimes it's a big undertaking to start following rovers. In my opinion, you got to go all out. I think the sporadic games um, fair enough you want to go a couple of sporadic games but if you really do get do get hooked in prepare for that to take over your life and that to to envelop your whole fucking psyche that's the way I feel about it that's what happens
1: with rovers with me anyway and that's what it should be really mm-hmm. and Kieran's well on his way and last note on Ciarán he uh, said something that I forgot about that AC Milan still lost that friendly in Ooh. the San Siro and we better get it done before it's knocked down
2: Oh oh yeah, in the San Siro <clears throat> as well. well. Surely we can get one over here as well. That's a nice little season opener next year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. AC Milan and Stadium with a new stand, hopefully. never know. Uh, sell out the new stand. So, Profit Pico played in 2-1 win over Central African Public. I took this one in, sat in the pub and had and watched this one. Everyone was watching the rugby. The looks I was getting sitting there watching my phone, like, oh, it's this head case watching the African qualifiers <laughs> in the pub. But he was, uh, he was very good. He was solid. And they made a good comeback. But unfortunately, the first minute... I don't even know how he
1: did this. Did you see the header? I did see it, and I—I I don't think he'd ever be able to do it again. It was like his head was square. I can't for the life of me. I can't figure out what he was. <laughs> was nuts. What he meant this as?
2: It was very unfortunate. That <coughs> one-all draw, man. He could have seen a Rovers player playing in the World Cup, but uh, a big shout out to Pigo, and he's absolutely loving his time over there. And I was talking to him just before <coughs> the game, and I said, "No big deal. Ian Nacho and Seaman. It's like no, no big deal. You can you can, you can mark them. It's no big deal." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, no world cup for Pico so they needed to win that game in Nigeria to go through Uh, but we're still going to see him in January in the African Cup of Nations I can't wait for that That, I'm going to watch watch those games and And you can always tell you can tell him a mile off because he was
2: was saying that when the lads rang him on FaceTime they all had their shorts tucked into their jocks and I was thinking to myself don't all players do that but no one does it by Pico he's the only one who tucks yeah. his, his jersey into his shorts and you can tell him a mile off <laughs> so yeah that was Pico and uh, congratulations on all, all he's achieved with Cape Rail it's been brilliant it'll be two more under 19 appearances for Oidamon versus Bosnia and Bulgaria and this fella is fast track to stardom I'm buzzing for Oidamon next season I really can't wait to see him play pace and power prop you know how I feel about that uh, he yeah. has it all in abundance I know you love that Alan Hansen don't you yeah <laughs> Other podcasts this week probably have been delving in, you've had a chance, I listened to a few of myself, mm. I listened to Jim Beglin, thought it was very good, with Con and yeah. um, Conan, very, very good, Jim um, gives you an insight into how much actually, how much prep actually goes into commentating and Con as well, we all know how Con, how, how deep and uh, detailed he goes into his one, but Jim gave another insight as well, it's really cool and I loved how Jim went in on the guy, I can't remember, was it Gary Roberts? Who, who did him in uh, Gary Stevens yeah he actually t- spoke about that at length and I thought that was very cool as well So I love that I love you know the, the handbook yeah. for footballers and commentators you don't <coughs> want to hear that you I, see it in the papers you see the quotes but he really
1: went into it you know I thought it was cool I'd actually heard him speak about that because he was on Cody's Call as well <laughs> this season and like he says if Gary Stevens ever hears these or if, if stories are made about them people probably think oh Begum's still going on about this but yeah. he's just said like when I'm asked a question I answer yeah yeah that's it don't so, shy away from it but um, yeah really really, I mean, really cool I knew he called there Garrett he had a live show tonight yeah thank you <laughs> 14 tickets bro 14 full ones you know what I love about this uh, <laughs> his three guests aside from Kenny I think Kenny Cunningham is like the the blockbuster guest is he when
2: I heard that I just thought <clears throat> no first of all not going to that live show but then when I heard
1: that I was just like Oh my God, I'm just going to hear... <laughs> <laughs> just fucking monotone. The eyebrows going yeah. 90. But I love that his three manager guests are O'Donnell, Higgins, Clancy. And have you been listening to LOI Central, the last few weeks ago? Why is that funny? O'Donnell, O'Donnell Higgins, Higgins, Clancy. Maybe not in that order, but... Go on, give it to me. Uh, Dan McDonnell has been given Johnny Ward's stick for weeks now but he, he keeps on mentioning those three managers so Dan has turned it into a law firm oh yeah yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah Donald yeah. Higgins Clancy yeah. and those are the three guests so I, just, I saw that on the poster I just started laughing
2: surprised Bradzer wasn't invited what's going on there <clears throat> no Bradzer on the call he's called. no Bradster but uh, yeah so it's, uh, like you said Prof we have our own live show as well we have play the year where it's coming up and I am buzzing now I'm a little bit more at ease now went into the room just before the podcast and I was surveying the room and Agony I think we're going to be okay we've got the mic stands in we've got all the electronics we got the perfect The stage is perfect it's perfect for a nice intimate chat with the players and Gartz is going to fucking knock it out of the park the band's going to be great really really looking forward to this prop it's going to be a cracker and big shout out to the 4Props four 4Props four slash Tifties friends uh, in arms so yeah, probably next up. This this is a really good interview. I have to say, surely we can get him. know we, we might get him in as a coach. We might start get him in for Glen No, no, uh, no. Apologies to Tommy Kelly, but <laughs> we get him in for Glen Get him in managing them. Whip him into shape. But yeah, so next up we have yeah, Pat Scully, part two.
1: You've mentioned uh, Johnson and Noel a few times there that you had a good uh, relationship. Was was a fans owned club a relatively new concept still, especially in Ireland? They just took over mid two thousand five. What was what was your perception of a fans owned club, and what was the outside perception, I suppose,
0: at that time? Well, I I rem I remember when 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 the force when the four hundred club force took over, um, and I I thought it was a, I thought it was a, it was a new thing. I, I'd never really seen that walk in practice. Um, I remember <clears throat> i remember kind of roddy collins was moaning a little bit about kind of money wise and stuff and all that they weren't doing this and went doing that and i thought that was the right thing that the club needed to do to spend their money more wisely Um again i i'd never been involved in it i'd never i couldn't be I'd played in england with clubs I'd ne- I, I there's obviously always a, a supporters trust and stuff for like that that helps raise money and stuff for like that but i'd never been involved in, in 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 this kind of a setup and it was it was it was interesting and again you know Jonathan and all they were inexperienced as well as I was as a manager. And I think we we that's what I said we kind of maybe looked out for ourselves, looked out for each other. I, I mentioned Jonathan and all because they were my main people I'd go to. I think I went to a couple of board meetings and I would meet the rest of the board. And I obviously knew a lot of the guys, but from a kind of day-to-day or whatever you want to say, week to week kind of thing, I I that's who I dealt with was Jonathan and Old, like, you know. And we had a we, we had a really good relationship, you know, we got on really well on most things. There was always a, there was a couple of things, again, that, that fine I got and a couple of bits and pieces. And that's the kind of, look, that's, that's kind of the way I am, like that's my personality. Like, you know, I'll always kind of probably maybe say maybe too much. Um, but as I said, if I believe in something strongly, then, then I'll, I'll, I'll stick up for that. But I, I, there was only a few small little bits and pieces, but nothing, nothing major. You know, it was a very, very seamless situation behind the scenes. And it worked great for the club. But as I said, I think that's the only way the club was going to survive. If the supporters hadn't stepped in, I don't know what they would have done. I don't know. What, I don't know where the club would be now if the if the supporters hadn't have done that. Because you know, when I was there as a player, as I said, there was a lot of things you think to yourself. Jesus, like that's, that's nowhere near good enough for a football club. Like, you know, they could they could have they could have maybe folded. Like, but as I said, it's it's worked out great for them.
1: Even after um, being relegated, the new board just had so many obstacles, didn't they? Aside from the objective of getting us out of the first division. <laughs> They had to fight Thomas Davis and fight for Tadde Stadium, so they had so many obstacles year on year that they had to contend with, didn't
0: they? Yeah, and that, but that's 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 where I think that's where true football supporters, you know, I I, I that's a quite when I when I played in England, you know, at, at clubs like South End, and you'd speak to you'd speak to you'd speak to supporters, you know, where it's a half an hour from London, they could go and watch Chelsea, they could go and watch Arsenal, they could go and watch Spurs in the Premier League, but they'll go and support their team that are in the tour, or second division or something like that. And that's what football support is all about. It's it's having a connection to your team. And basically it should be, well, it is. It's a huge part of your life. You know, you support a team and you stick with that team through the good times and the bad times. And and then definitely in this country, there's no one could say that Shamrock Rovers fans haven't stuck with them through the bad times. When things got really tough, it was the supporters that kept the club down. Um, and, and that's really important that people remember that. You know, it's nice now at the stadium and everything's gone so well and stuff for like that. But I always think you see the real truth of your of of the people you're with when when things are going bad. And I think at the very very hardest times for Shamrock Rovers and they did have some very very bad times. I think it was the fans that 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 got them through, it, like you know. And I it worked as I said. Look, it worked really well. Again, I was an inexperienced manager. I would only managed that Kilkenny. Um. So how you how you walk with boards and stuff for like that? Um. And there was a few things I think probably later on that we had done and the boy had said to me that maybe they showed a little bit of inexperience and maybe I showed a little bit of inexperience in the manager and that might have been a problem that down the road a year later that we came to a bit of a clash um, and that was things that you know that maybe we we probably shouldn't have agreed on um, but as I said look that's you know I always think football is such a huge sport and people love it Um they've got such strong feelings about it and it's a great it's a great game a great sport you'll always have Clashes of personalities and clashes—that's that's that's part of football. Uh,
1: 2007, uh, like you said, it's a young team. We ended up coming fifth that season, uh, just missing out on the European places. But you and the players won an awful lot of plaudits for a very good season, and, and the first time up.
0: Yeah, that was another. That was a challenge as well because you know, with, with, again, the way the board done it, and I I would agree with hundred percent. They were very careful with the money, what way they were going to go about it, and stuff for that and all. For me, it was a big decision when we went up to the, to the Premier League. Again, I wanted that name of Shamrock Rovers, that standard that we had to keep pushing that, that standard. And rightly or wrongly, and again, people have said to me, but you shouldn't have said that. I said we were going to go and try and win the Premier League. But I firmly believed in the team that we had, the players that we had, that that was the right thing to do. You know, for me to go into the Premier League and say, look, we don't have a ground we don't have as much money there. Off There was like six teams I think were full-time at the time. It was, it was a huge challenge for us. But for me to turn around and say as a manager, well, we just want to stay up. You know, I, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to have that atmosphere, that environment at, at Shamrock Rovers. I wanted us to set goals. I think the players would have been, would have been pissed off with me if I had said that. I think if I would have come out and said, look, if we finish towards from bottom and we stay up, I think they would have been fuming with me. I think they would have been raging. So I did, I, I set a very high standard we kept pushing the standards as best as we possibly could. And the boys responded to it. You know, the boys responded to it. They'd done really, really well. Um, and again, that was a great season. You know, we had a lot of games, going up to the Premier League. Yeah, then you're playing at the big stadiums against the big teams, all the full-time teams. Great challenge. And, and I thought we met it head on. And, and for most of the season, we did extremely well. You know, we did extremely well. And I just think maybe towards the end, the lack of squad... Certain players' attitudes you know kind of disappointed me a little bit, and that came to a bit of a head as well um and i and I just think we kind of ran out of steam a little bit um i think for again for young players that that forced eighteen months was a was a brilliant experience for them fabulous experience for them, but I think it did kind of wear them down a little bit coming towards the end like when we did we did we did fall away a little bit and but I think the standard in that premier league is so is is, is so much higher than the fourth division. Um, you'd look at it and think to yourself, yeah, look, it's still a good season. If you, if you in, in the Premier League, if I look back when I won the Premier League at, at Shelbourne or when Shamrock Rovers won it then under Michael O'Neill, if you look at the players, I guarantee you eight or nine of them will be the best players in the league. Do you know what I mean? There'll be the, You'll have the best players in the league in certain positions and you'll have maybe two or three young players. We had, I think the average, the average age of our, of our team was 23, I think. Um, in, some of those Premier, in some of those Premier League games which is extremely young but again that's, that's where I believed in. And, I, and I was very proud of what we did I was disappointed of course um, as the players were that we did follow at the end but I still thought it was a good season uh, We had the
1: likes of Owen Doyle and Pa Amund kind of early on in their fledgling careers obviously both have gone on to have uh, really good success in England so what would they like to work with back then 2007 eight and 8? Eight? Yeah
0: brilliant lads great lads I I think for me, the way, the, way I, the way I like to manage, I've always liked young players. I've always liked giving young players an opportunity. And I think I've, I've seen managers down through the years where they use young players to kind of use them as scapegoats a little bit, where they'll have a go at the, the younger players, but they won't have a go at the more experienced players because they're frightened to falling out with them. You know, they'll fall out. It's easy to fall out with young players on the 18 or 19 or 20. It's an easy situation, whereas you get more experienced players. You know, you keep them nice and sweet. I didn't like doing that for me. If you want to develop young players, you have to develop them mentally and personality wise as well. And that, that comes down to basically saying, you know, you're at Chamacro. I, 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 a perfect example, I remember um, in one of the games, uh, one, of the, one of the fans who was behind me, it was at Tolker Park, one of the supporters was absolutely slaughtering Padre Gammond. Absolutely slaughtering him. He was only he, you know, he was a young boy, maybe 17 or 18 or whatever. But I liked him. I thought I knew he was a good player, great movement in the box, good finisher. Really liked him, um, but this, this and and I, after the game, I remember saying to Noel Bourne, I said, "Jesus, one of the supporters had an absolutely hammering Parry and I said, "Look, the kid's fucking seventeen, Lee," and Noel, Noel just turned around and said, "He's wearing the he's wearing the jersey," and and that was it. You put that jersey on, there is just no hiding place. There is no hiding place. But that's that's how young players develop. That's how they get better. And what I what I always did was I treated the players the same. I know people always say that in football about or different personalities and you've got to treat people differently. And I and I do agree with that. But I put structures in place um that are good for the club. Um and I expect all the players to stick to those structures. If you've been there for twenty years or and you're 25, if you break one of those structures, I'll deal with you the same way as I deal with I would deal with sixteen or eighteen year you old know, young players as well. Those structures are there for everybody. And I think that's good for young players because they feel they're on the same level. Even even they're not obviously not as experienced and not probably maybe as a player at that level, yeah. But when you're grown, they've got to grow mentality as well. They've got to have that personality to say, I'm here. You know, I deserve to be here. And I feel I'm, I'm, you know, I'm treated the same as, you know, that guy there who's 24 like. you know. And I think that's really important when you're developing players. And we did, we developed some fantastic young players. And I think they proved, all right, we weren't successful as in towards, I I agree, you know, I thought, you know, we, we were in contention, I think it was still the last seven or eight games. Um... You know, to to fall away in Europe, you know that would that was yeah that was a bit of that was probably I have to I take responsibility for that. I think we should have at least qualified for Europe, um that season. But I thought those young players proved, and I think as you said, you could see that a lot of them are going to go on and have good careers. Like, and a lot of them did.
1: Uh, Peter Robs, you going to want me to ask about the the bus story,
0: Pat. <laughs> the infamous. <laughs> I've
1: I've heard ten different versions now. I think as the story goes, uh. The bust of Waterford, three players were were booted off and weren't allowed to travel.
0: So, what's what's the official story? Wouldn't say booted off. That might be a little bit harsh. As I said, look, that's 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 Roy believing. You know, I I'm I'm very clear and very open in what I want from the players, and I will tell them that. You know, I'll tell them at the start of the season. I take maybe a couple of hours, maybe an hour, and then another hour of meetings. And players will tell you that. You know, before in pre-season. I say to them, when the season starts, boys, this is what I expect from you. This is and, and we would cover everything. I would cover everything, as in towards preparation-wise, what we expect our targets to be, as in towards performance-wise. We you know what we want to do results-wise and where we want to be in the league. And how we want to do it is a hugely important thing for me. How people train, how they conduct themselves, how they carry themselves, that's very, very important for me. Very, very important for me. I felt there was a few players... who were getting involved in certain situations and certain things um, that were detracting away from what we should have been focused on. Um, Some of the the attitudes were really poor. There was a little bit of backbiting going on um, and I didn't like it and I didn't like it at all. And I remember we trained, I can't remember who we were playing the next day. It's too too far ago, I can't remember who the game was. It was definitely away from home. But I remember we were were training the night before and I stopped training after half an hour and I said, go and have your shower and go home and i said don't waste my time i said because that's not training i said if you're going to come up here and train for shamrock rovers you come up and train properly 100% together 100% right i said go off you go so they all went off i spoke to a few people i spoke to the staff and basically i said look i'm not happy with that little click i said i don't like it i said you know don't think it's right and <clears throat> basically you could just sense the next day when we met and stuff like that, you, I could sense, I didn't like the atmosphere. I, I really sensed the kind of a, you know, if, if, as I said to you, if the players had come to me and had a go at me, or had, a, had a pop at me or something like that, or said, if they were unhappy, fine. like You know, we would have dealt with that grand, but I thought it was very kind of, you know, a little bit sneaky and a little bit behind, behind closed doors kind of thing, so I addressed it before we left. I said, look, I'm not traveling up here with this kind of an atmosphere. I said, I'm not happy where we are. I said, that's not the way we are as a club. Like That's not the way we are as a group. So I addressed those players Um, and I just basically what I said to them was I said look if you're not with me I said you should have come to me I said it's too late now I said you're not traveling today and and that's the three boys I told them that if they weren't going to be part of the group and they didn't want to be part of the group then they wouldn't be part of the group so you know it was their decision not to come back in you know afterwards I think we won the game I think we we won the game Um, and afterwards obviously I I said I spoke to the three of them and I said look it's up to you if you want to come back in and but you have to say you have to meet the standards of what I demand like and and basically they didn't so they they basically they they um they said they wanted to rather leave like and that goes back to basically me I you have that opinion of 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 footballers and say well you know if you someone a high standard, I remember in the fourth division I remember saying to the players about the standards I the standards you wanted the standards I'd set and I remember Ray Kenny um stopping me and saying he said, Can I just say something? I said, Yeah, of course you can, Ray. And Ray said to me, When he said, As far as I'm concerned, whatever standards you think you want to set as a manager, Pat, that's fine. He went, I want to set a standard even higher than that. He said, and all the players, we should set the standard. Now, I just think that is absolutely fantastic. I think that's such a fantastic people can turn around and say that's going against me. Stop me mid-sentence. And said to me, you know, hold it there. now I loved it. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. That's a player saying yeah, you set a standard. I'm going to push it even further. I'm going to push it even higher. And I thought that was brilliant. And what I don't like is people trying to push the standard down.
1: In um, 2008, you um, made a few good signings like Stephen Rice, <coughs> Pat Ryan, uh, Joey and Doe had a, a famous long spell in the second half of that season.
0: Mm.
1: Where do you think we were in terms of that squad and, and how we did that year?
0: Well, that was probably that was my decision as in towards, you know, as I said, if you if you're going to start building blocks. And again if you're going to start talking about properly competing to win leagues and be successful in cups and stuff like you know as i said you have to have players who are experienced as well you know it was you know i, I do believe in youth and i, and I would always give youth the chance but i think you know at all football clubs there's got to be that core group of experienced guys um who've been there one leagues one cups so we had to start bringing in a bit more experienced players um and you know I think maybe maybe again looking look back on my own as a manager i think i probably got the balance wrong on that and um, that was a mistake i made uh, i think you know we let a few of the players go who were good lads good boys who would who, you know who would who were used to my standards and again probably weren't you know as i said look they probably weren't good enough to be honest and that's what, the only re- that's the only thing i would say to when i when i did say was look this club is obviously in the near future going to be pushing for, to win the premier league and stuff for like that and just say, look I just don't think you're maybe quite there yet um but I had done a great job for the club and that, that that I think you know for me football when you're when you're in football a long time you know it's very rare in football that people stay anywhere for a long period of time and I think in football you learn that very very quickly and there's no sympathy to it you're there you're a professional you know you're there to do a job the, the thing about me is I always wanted to make sure when I left somewhere I could look back and go, I've done a really, really good job there. You know, it was never about, for me, it was never about any I don't remember any club ever, me having that mindset of going, I'm going to stay here for years and years and years. Do you know? I think that comes back to maybe when I was in England because uh, when, when, when I got sold from on deadline day and stuff like that where literally within a few hours I had gone to a different part of the country, like, you know, and it was just such a change and it was 20 or something like that, do you know what I mean? And I think it does, it, it, football toughens you up as and towards a person you become very kind of hard on the outside of things. You just accept things the way they are. And that's just the way football is, like you know. And I just think that that balance where, you know, we kind of hit a bit of a crossroad that season. And we started really well, but I could see it. I could see it. I knew, I knew it wasn't right. You know, we had a half a, a kind of team who were a bit more experienced, who maybe didn't like to work hard, as hard as what I want them to do and be as diligent as professional. And we had the, the other half, who were kind of younger players but who had been brought up by me and the way i'd done things and there was a little bit of a discord there you know what i mean but i I could see in the training and stuff and bits and pieces of that although even at times when we were doing well you know you know it wasn't a season that i would look back and think i would i was all very comfortable with you know i kind of i think i got the balance of it wrong i think i i i probably changed too much um probably maybe may i think we signed maybe five or six players i might be wrong Maybe three might have been a, a better number and gradually kind of in, integrated into, into what we had. But again, as you said, we had to get closer, and I spoke to the board about that, we had to get closer to playing the way Shamrock Rovers played traditionally, and that's attacking football, like, you know. So what we had built was that we had a really good professional structure, a really good defensive structure, and then what we wanted to do then was to bring in, you know, could we bring in the Joseph Dow, could we bring in a Sean O'Connor, Stephen Royce, you know those type of players who are Desi Baker, who are talented players, like you know really talented players. And you know, as I said, look, that's I said I can be a very unwavering kind of a person when it comes to beliefs and values and stuff like that, and all. I've I, I very strong, I feel very very strongly about them, and I don't like to see people, you know, kind of trying to take the mic a little bit, you know. And I can come down pretty hard on it. That way. just and and that that maybe that's a that's a, a, a failing for me as a manager. I think when you're dealing with certain players, some, they just don't want to do it, you know, they don't want to do, they don't want to have that structure, definitely football now, you know, has changed so much, that they don't want that kind of hard structure anymore, like it's just, it's not there anymore, especially with the top players, you know, you just can't handle them like that anymore, like you know, um, and that's, I think that season, there was a, there was a, once, it was grand when we were winning, but once we lost, and hit a bump, I could see, the friction I could see we weren't together like, and I knew we weren't I knew we weren't I, could, I, could, I knew it from the start and it was a real fight it was a tough slog that season a really tough hard slog that season a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and a lot of stuff that probably myself and the board then, we didn't agree on certain situations um, and that's again like, that's that's football probably the more publicised one was
1: the way you butted heads with uh, Stephen Rice he ended up going on the, on the transfer list uh, we won't call it quite comparing to McCarty versus Keane, but it divided opinion a bit. But uh, was that a case of two strong personalities kind of going head to head?
0: No, no. You know, at the end of the day, as I said, look, you know, you know, I I, I don't ever come into training and pick on any player. You know, I don't pick on any player. As I said to you, the structures are there um, to the way we train, the way we protect players from injuries and stuff like that and all, you know. And Stephen, Stephen, you know, wouldn't wouldn't rely to the structure, you know, that we had set in place for all the players, you know, and he wouldn't rely to that to that structure, like you know. And I was very disappointed with his attitude, the way he done it. I thought was very poor, the way he conducted himself was very poor. Um, and you know, as I said, that I wouldn't I wouldn't change my opinion on that. You know, for me, you know, as a manager, if that was the way players were going to behave, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be there. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't want to be dealing with those that type of situation. You know. You know, I think there's the right way of doing things, the professional way of doing things, you know, and, and to be fair, that's the structures that we had. And as I said before, if there was a problem, he should have said it to me before. Do you know what I mean? He should have brought it up at the time and said, Look, I don't agree with that. Why do we have to do it that way? Why do, is there a better way than that? And I've no problem with that. I've got no. Pro- Players want to come and have dialect to me and say, I think we can do that better. I would change it. If someone comes to me now, I think very deeply about football. So all I always say, make sure you've taught. As deeply as I have when you come to me with something you know don't come and talk bullshit come and tell me the truth and say look if we change this we'll be better it'll get better you know no player came to me and never said that do you know what I mean so as far as I'm concerned if they're agreeing with those structures they should stick to those structures and if you don't stick to those structures we'll have a little bit of a problem like so I had a problem with Stephen Rice, and I felt very strongly about it Um and I still don't think I was wrong you know I, I would do the same thing uh, today if the same situation occurred today I'd do it same, the exact same way you know so and as I said I like Stephen as a player you know I do like him as a player as I said I thought he behaved very poorly and and I think the board were kind of going that way now a little bit where where most football clubs are now I think you know they do protect the players an awful lot um, you know players get away with stuff now that they wouldn't have got away with years ago and players have a little bit more power now as well and we kind of clashed heads on that on that, on that situation and we just we couldn't uh, we couldn't come to a compromise. You know, I, I felt very strongly about it, and I think they did as well. And we just didn't come. We never came close to, it, to resolving it.
1: Uh, you end up departing the club with, with four games to go that season. Where where was your relationship kind of strained with with the board and some of the players like like Stephen Royce at that stage?
0: Yeah, with a few. That's what I said. With a few. I think th- as I said, that season was a hard slog. It Was a really hard slog. You know, and we were like. That's what I said. I think when I left, we were fifth, or, or fourth, or something like that. Like it wasn't even the case that we were like struggling down the bottom of the league. Like we were, we were in contention to qualify for Europe when I left. Like you know, but it, it was, it was, it was tough. Um, as I said, it was just you could see the imbalance in the squad, and that's my fault. You know, that's the, you know, that that that's my fault. That was that was that was a mistake that I made. Um, that I bought those players to the football club. So that, I'm not blaming anyone on that. That's my fault. Um, and it just, as I said, look. I think in football, as, as, as very similar in life, some things don't get resolved. You know, sometimes people, the club, you know, had their idea of what they wanted to do and, and 100% that's their obligation to do that. You know, they, have, they run the football club, that's their job. They have to run the football club. You know, I have to look after what I feel is right, you know, and what I can live with. And, you know, I, I feel very strongly about the way things are done and the way things are done. And I thought there was a couple of things I was very, very unhappy about. Um, and I had you know there was a couple of things that were done that I thought were really really poor but apart from that I would leave I left the football club looking back going from where I joined to where I left I think we've done a fantastic job including the board including all the players including supporters I think we put a brilliant foundation in place for the football club built on again a really good principle and a really really good value and and I think that's really really important
1: like you say, you'd spent nearly three years there. You'd taken the club out of the first division. Um, fans still look back fondly at, at your reign at Roberts. Was the one disappointment that you didn't get to be the one to lead them out in, in the first game at Then
0: No, I have to say that would never be a disappointment for me again. And I would be I would be completely honest about it. I love stadiums. I love nice stadiums. It's great to play in a lovely stadium. For me, when when Shamrock Rovers got... And I even said it to you. I remember having John, when, when Jonathan Roach rang me one night and said about... The, the court action against that Thomas Davis had taken had been squashed and basically Sean McRose were 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 free to go to go full steam at it. And I said to Jonathan I said, I'm I'm absolutely de- delighted for yourself, the board, all the fans and the club and uh, and Jonathan said, he said and and you as well, Pat. And I said, Jonathan, you as well I'll be here long before when I'm gone. And that's true. Do you know what I mean? And that's the way I look at football. You know, that was that day, that getting into that stadium was not about me and I don't think it's about players either. I think it's about the supporters and all those people through the bad times and the hard times when things were really tough I think that was their payback you know, I think that was really for the fans and the, and the board as well who were obviously fans as well but double so that, that, that situation I think is a little bit different you know, that, 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 that thing would have always been about the club and it gave them a great footing to then go on and be successful
1: Roberts really rose very quickly from that point didn't news the unthinkable playing Real Madrid then that summer winning their first league title in 16 years, then 2010. So, once they moved into Tata, it just seemed to go from strength to strength. Didn't it?
0: But that, that, that's the whole point. If you look, if you look at the structures that, that the board have put in place, you know, you look at where they started from and the way they went about it. There's no other club. Shamrock Rovers should always be up there now. They should never be falling away or not winning the league for four, even, even a couple of years now because there's no club in this country can get anywhere close to them. There, there, there's no club in this country can get anywhere close to the structures that Shamrock Rovers have now and that's I said and I know, I know Stephen Bradley um, very well. I, I had him at Limerick with me um, as a player. I used to drive up, we used to drive up in the car together. Very, very intelligent guy, loves his football, very, very good professional and, and like that's when I was at Limerick, I had probably three or four of those same situations with Stephen Bradley. Um, same situations that you know he broke a couple of structures. I was extremely disappointed in him. I had it out with him, and we were able to resolve it because he's an he's a very very intelligent guy and he's a very good professional, wonderful player. What a fantastic player he was, and I think Stephen now is giving young players a chance again as well. He's, he's doing the both which is brilliant you know I think for a few years and I can understand you know Michael O'Neill you know the, to win the league as I said to you you have to have the best players yeah you'd be under no illusion you've got to have eight or nine players that people go he's the best right back he's the best left back he's the best centre half he's the best midfielder you have to have those players in the league to win the league at that club and I think Stevens mixing it a little bit now by bringing the young players in I know the boy the, the goalkeeper's playing for, for Ireland now and they sold him for wherever that was. Stephen played him. He probably was playing for Overs, wasn't he? A couple of years before that. You know, and, and I think that's where Stephen will bring those good young players in and they'll give them an opportunity and they'll give them a chance. And again, the structures they have at the football club, you know, there's no one can compete with them. There's nobody in this country can compete with them. But that's where you have to give the board credit. I don't think most clubs done it like that. I think clubs, you know, you could go through the full-time thing, which was a disaster at Shells and stuff for that and all. You give the players all the money. When the players are gone, the money's gone and there's nothing there. Like, you know, and, and that's that's That's, that's not having a, an idea and a principle and a value of what you want to do or what you want your club to be. You know, Shamrock Rovers had that idea that, that of what they wanted to do. They were very, very brave. You know, even from afar, you see some of the decisions they made with the academy, getting the Kingswood um, training place and stuff like that, which is a great, great facility. Do you know? And that's building a football club. And sometimes you've got to take the hard hits early on and it might take you a little bit longer. Like, you know, draw is the perfect example who won a couple of Premier Leagues, didn't they? And, and were doing really well. The money ran out. is in dire straits, you know, have gone, have, have gone down to, to the 4th Division. They've been there, they've come up, they've been relegated back again. And now they're in that little yo-yo situation and they have nothing to show for it. They can look back and say, oh, it's a great memory. But that's not what you want as a club. You want something... Substantial, sustainable. Do you know what I mean? And that's what Shamrock Rovers have now.
1: You took Limerick up from the first division in in twenty twelve, and uh, you've been out of the the senior game uh, since that point. Have you ever been uh, tempted to go back in since then?
0: Um, no, I had a good when 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 obviously when I left Shamrock Rovers, you take stock of of little bits and pieces, and I learned a lot from the few years at Shamrock Rovers, and I t- talk on to Limerick was a bit was a good challenge as in towards. It was, it was it, again, it wasn't a really well-run club, but they knew that. You know, that's, that's, what, they were, that's what they brought me in for. They, they just said, look, we want to be more professional. We want to bring more young players to these systems. We want to create a good youth system, which I had done at Kilkenny and at Channel Crovers. And again, as I said, that's what I'm saying. You look back at that and think to yourself, like, I, I would always say in my defence, when I suppose that's maybe me looking after myself, but I didn't change from when I first went to a club to when I left the club. You know, boards, I think, can change momentum and ideas of what they think is right and what they think is wrong and that can change I, I, I didn't change from the way I was at the start when they were going we'll give you the job to so I wasn't wrong at the end do you know what I mean you, you know, like you can't have a both ways you can't say well look we love it this way it's gone great it's gone great and then at the end of it you know they start going the question what you do but as I said that's my belief in football they're the things that I hold dear to and same with Limerick I'm very proud of the job that we've done at Limerick. Very, very proud of the job. But again, the board seeing things differently, we had a difference of opinion. And again, as I said, look, that's football. I don't have any problem with that. That's their decision. They've got to run the football club. But again, my decision is, do I want to, you know, I, I, I remember when I'd done my UA for, UA for Pro license, um, and I won't name the manager, but again, very, very experienced manager, very well, well, well accoladed manager. And he said, he said, basically as a manager, you have to take, you know, hits on the chin and change your personality and change your principles. And, and I didn't agree with that. You know, I really didn't agree with that. That's not the person that I am. Like, and and, I, and, I, and to be honest, I don't want to be that person. I don't like the idea in football where you have to lie, you have to be sneaky, you've got to be a little bit underhanded, you've got to go behind people's backs. I just don't think that's, you know, that's that's to me that's just not the way I was. That's not the way I was brought up in football. And I don't like that side of football now. I love the game, but I don't like. That kind of that kind of uh, political side of it that's in football now, and and that's in football now. If you want to be in football now, you've got to be you've got to be very clever, and you've got to be very very sneaky in the way you go about your business. Like, but as I said, look, that's why I didn't go back into management. I just thought myself, look, do you know what? If that's if that's what I'm looking for, you know, I'll 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 take a step back. That's not what I'm going to do. Like,
1: uh, just a bit about your career in general. Uh, a few quick questions. Uh, who's the best player you've played with and
0: against? Best player I played with was Stan Collymore. At End, he was absolutely phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. They End signed him, at Barry. F- no, it wasn't Barry Foy, it was Colin Murphy signed him for fifty thousand from Crystal Palace, and he turned up at the, at the training ground. Um, he's six foot two. He built like an absolute Adonis. Has you know, he's ripped as in towards. As soon as we walked out on the, as soon as he walked out on the pitch, and we and I was playing, I was obviously playing against him as a centre half, and I was looking, going like. He paid 50 grand for him. Like he was absolutely unbelievable. Just the most talented footballer. And I was look- as I said, look, I played when I was at Arsenal, I played with Andy Cole, I played with Kevin Campbell, you know, Alan Smith was a really, really good centre forward. But Stan Collymore had absolutely everything. Now, he had a flaky personality. I've definitely given that. He was, you know, but a lovely guy at heart. And I got on really well with him. And but he was just an unbelievable player. And some of the performances he played at then and obviously then he went on to Nottingham Forest, went on to Liverpool, played for England. But uh, ability wise, uh, there's there's nobody would come close to him. He was absolutely fantastic. And against? Against, I <clears> had <throat> I had the, I had the uh, I, when I was growing up, I was I was kind of a little bit of a Liverpool fan, and I remember when when I was in around the Ireland squad, Frank Stapleton had a testimonial um, against the World Eleven, and I got called into it, um, and. Paul Gascoigne played. a Couple of the, um, Dutch lads played as well, who were in Johan Cruyff's that kind of era, like you know. So it was that kind of a mixture. But Ian Rush, I loved when I was a kid. I loved Ian Rush and Kenny Daglish as a centre forward partnership. And so to play against Ian Rush was just fantastic. And he was, he was just, he's everything you think. He, everything you, when you watch him play, he was everything you think he is. He's so intelligent in his movement. His runs were just unbelievable. You just, he's one of those players. Probably the only player I've played against. John Aldridge was very similar. They were similar players. But Ian Rush was a player that you thought yourself, you thought you were reading the situation, you kind of knew where he was, and just in that second, he was gone. And I've never played, I've never played a centre-forward in my life who was like that. I just You know, he was just gone with your vision and you're making runs behind you. He was a, he was a fantastic player. Unbelievable. That, that was a great experience when I played that, that day against him. But I got a few kicks out of him.
1: Best and worst moment of your career?
0: Oh, <laughs> the best is, is, is difficult. Um, I always, I have to say, I always think, I remember um, when, I, when, we, when I was a schoolboy and I didn't get picked for the Dublin selection. I didn't get picked when I was only 12 and 13 and it was very disappointing. But I worked very, very hard, trained really hard and I got picked for the Ireland, the Ireland schoolboy team and we went over to England. And I think it had been like 33 years since um since an Irish team had beaten England at any at any level in on English soil and we played them in Villa Park I have loads of family in Birmingham loads my mum and my dad and all my family went over to the game and we beat them 2-1 I got I got man of the match but not so much for that but I remember coming out after the game I remember walking out after the game and I know I knew my family were there and I knew they were very proud and stuff like that. but I remember the scout from Arsenal coming over the scout from Man City, from Celtic. I, got, I kept getting stopped by all these scouts and stuff like that. And, you know, you have that feeling where you think to yourself, this is going to change, like, you know, this is going to change. And I think that night definitely changed my career. Um, and I always look back and I, I've had, you know, I, I played at Wembley, which was brilliant to play for Ireland, seen senior cap, fantastic. But that, that feeling, that night, and especially with my, all my family been there, um, and especially how, how hard I had walked the two years before that, um, you know, I, I kind of felt there was a change in my career that night. I felt, you know, and still, it was a lovely feeling after that game. And as I said, luckily, I, I signed for Arsenal and I had a good few years there as well. Like, and the worst? The worst? I don't, I don't, you know, I, 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 I love football. I'm, I'm a real football freak. I've always loved the game. You know, I count myself, I, I suppose when I finished playing football, um, that was a, a difficult stage when I when I, when Paul Dillon said he didn't want me to come back at it. And um I remember the first few days, that was that was quite hard because I was used to training, loved me training, I loved getting prepared and um getting ready for the games and getting ready for training but that wasn't there anymore. And it was weird. I had a very, very strange kind of feeling. I, I remember m- my wife Tara um coming coming into the bedroom one night and just saying, you know, how are you feeling? And I said, Yeah, I, said, I feel a little bit, I was sinking stuff for that. And horse solution mod she went, Look, why don't we just go on holidays? So that's what we did. We went on holidays for for two weeks. I I always I look back in the now, and I know people. You'd speak to people, you know. I count myself so lucky, the career that I had. Um, I count myself so lucky as and towards that I was able to play in England for so long to come back home, settle at settle at home. Loved playing the clubs that I played. Had different experiences. But I look back as a manager, which something I wasn't sure whether I wanted to go into. Um. But so pleased that I did, so glad that I did. Some of it was really, really good. There was obviously, you know, some disappointments that we didn't win certain things and stuff for that and all. But, you know, I really, really enjoyed my career. I loved my career as in a sport that, you know, I love. I was able to do it from the age of 15 to 43. And, and I think you've got to be very thankful um, when you have that. So I wouldn't look back and start bemoaning and begrudging that and I said, look, that's football. That's the way it is. I love the game. A lot, a lot of things now in it that I don't, that I don't like as much. But I'm delighted I was involved in it. And you have a good Neil Warnock story for us at Huddersfield. God, so many good Neil Warnock stories. He's, he, he, just, he was a brilliant manager. Brilliant manager. You know, real tough, real hard. You know, didn't, <clears throat> didn't take any messing at all. But would give players leeway and stuff like that. There's funny stories and, and I, I always remember a good one with him. He, he, he had a great sense of humour. was the, I think the thing with Neil was, and he would lift you out of it. He would tear you out of it like, like you know, no other manager he would make you feel that small and and it was all about you know building character with him and, you know you had to come back and stuff for that but he had a really really good sense of humor I remember we were we were we were pushing for promotion um and it was coming close towards the end of the season and stuff like that so he said he said look he said you know on Wednesday when when we have a day off or whatever he said we're going to organize a, a trip to the local bowling alley, and we were going to go you know we don't go bowling Rick. and he said he said no he said look just go enjoy it he said you know, you have something to eat and have a few beers after it. He said, it won't be a problem. Just go out in the jury. He said, look, I might not go. He said, I'm busy with bits and pieces and stuff like that. He said, but, he said, Mick Jones was his assistant. He said, Mick could be there and he'll look after it and he said, look, you know, organise your teams. He said, put 50 quid each team um, and whoever wins takes the pot. So, like, there was, there was, there was, like, probably good, there was a good, good feel of us, like, you know, and I think we ended up putting 100 quid in just for a laugh or whatever. So it was like, it was close to a thousand. You were the one the pot, like you I mean. So it was a bit of fun, like. So we were all getting ready. So of course Neil arrives then, <clears throat> and uh, and he walks in. I are going, all right, Gaffer. And he says, "Yeah." And he's got this bag in his hand. Opens the bag up, takes out a glove, has the bowling glove, takes out his own bowling ball, and then decides the to say to himself, "Did I not tell you I was a bowling champion for 15 years or something when he was younger?" And we're all looking, going, taking the piss, aren't you?" And he goes, "Yeah." He said, "Me and Mick." Picked the staff, he said, we'll be a separate team from yours. He was unbelievable, but he took the money. He won, he won, the, won, the, de, won the day, took the money, and basically he was just laughing at us. We were having a, we were having a beer and going, Fucking manager can't do that. He's just stitched us all up like in his goal. He went, look, if you want to be that stupid, roll in today, he said, look, what can you do? But that was, that was that's I said, that was what he was like. He was just, he, he, you know, yeah, I think he's, Neil's when I was you're, you either love him or you hate him. But uh, I loved him, I got on great with him. He was, he, he was brilliant, great bit of fun. But he Was a brilliant manager, he was an absolutely brilliant manager, and I think people sometimes lose track of that a little bit. He was a top class manager.
1: You grew up in Crumlin, I was reading. Uh, and you're out here in Nice nowadays. How long have you been in Nice and do you still drive
0: the taxi? Yeah, yeah, I still do the taxi. That's what I'm saying. Um, when I came home from England, uh, my wife was already house hunting, I wanted to move the other side, but we uh, she seen this house, and when, when we, the timing that was right when I came home, I think it was 26, 27 when I came home, and you know. It was a great move for us. I love it here. Like you know, it's great. We, we we've got the three kids. We've settled great here. Um, obviously when I was when I was when you're coming to the end of your football career, even though the management side of it, you have to have a job. I, I left school when I was fourteen because I went over to England. So it doesn't pertain, but I done the taxi, and I have to say I really enjoy it. Like I don't mind it. It's it's good. And the great great thing with the taxi, and it frees your time for for the football for the management side size of things because it's so time wise consuming. So taxi wise, it was easy for me just to knock off work. And just go and do what I had to do like you know so it worked great um when I was involved in football but I still enjoy doing it I still enjoy doing it I'm looking forward to returning now I have to say (laughs) that'll be a good day
1: and when you picked up a Rovers fan in your taxi cab over the years did that lead to a good conversation
0: yeah look i have to say Rovers fans are brilliant with me you know they really are I I know a few of them I I, I, uh probably the funniest the funniest one was we were flying we were flying to Lanzarote for our summer holidays and we were, in our, we were in our seats, we were sitting, I was sitting at the window, my wife was there, I think she had a, I think we were, the baby was in, a, in her hands and, we, and my son was on the thing and four Shamrock Rovers fans came onto the plane and seen me and start singing, now I'm presuming they probably had a couple of beers as well like, but they start singing Pat Scully is a legend and stuff like that and this. Now, they were singing it full tilt and the plane, you could see everyone playing going like, hey, who are he singing about? and I was mortified, I thought, Jesus Christ, but it, people who I meet you know, Rovers fans—they'll always say the same thing. You know, they'll say, "Look, you were the manager that got us up from from the fourth division and stuff like that, and done a great job." And they'll always talk about that Bowes game, and that's I said, great memories. You know, whenever I was there for two and a half years, as I said to you, the most important for me is when you leave. Can you look back and go, when I first came here, the club now is in a far better place. You know, and I've I've done a good job. I've I've met all the things that the board wanted me to do, and that's why I think that's I said, you look back in football. And you have good memories, and I think that's what the supporters have, thankfully. Of me is is good memories, and that's 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 great.
2: Yeah, prof this is. I love the way he doesn't shy away from things. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, when you said about the boys, he goes, "Ah, the three boys." Like he just, he, yeah. Like the, he the talked
1: infamous, about. He said, "Yeah, he talked about the
2: brads yeah. are, Like brads are acting sometimes. Like people, people do these things, and he really did rule the rule with an iron fist. And he was so yeah. honest. He was so honest, and I'd love to hear anybody come back at that with a counter-argument for anything that he said about anybody. And I'd love to say, because I don't think he spoofed at all, I think he was totally, totally honest. And I'd love to hear anybody come back with thoughts and who who he mentioned or who he talked about. I'd
1: love to hear anybody come back and have their own thoughts on it as well. Well, Stephen Stephen Rice would probably have a counter-argument, certainly, because that was the big uh, falling out. Also, the day before that interview, I I talked to Barry Murphy about falling out with, with Scully. And Baz had his own story about how they, him and two other players, got called up to the under twenty threes, and Scully wasn't happy about it. And and Baz was like, "Well, it's Ireland. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. When I get the call, I'm gonna play." Yeah, yeah. So, I didn't really delve into that topic now with Scully, but he's just he's so listenable, and as you said earlier, he's a man of principle. Yeah. And he's unwavering in those principles. I'm fascinated by. I, I was fascinated by it man I'm fascinated by how principled he is and I think he's just I think he's one of a kind he really is and do you know what he stopped managing because of this he, <clears throat> he he was like I don't
2: like how football is turning into now I don't like the prima donna thing I don't like the fact that he could manage a team the way he wants and he's just like
1: fuck that Yeah, he, he was he was advised at a licensing course wasn't he just to sort of like well you're going to have to sort of change yourself and yeah
2: and he's like Be, uh, admit like admit your faults or like change the way you do things and he's like no
1: that's how I do it like I, I really enjoyed this I'm sure his critics will say good manager but he fell out with too many people yeah and 2008 apparently he did he just seemed to feel like he sent <laughs> he sent Desi Baker on on to the dark. everyone thought he was finished he comes yeah. back with us rips it up he's up front with Twiggy scoring goals yeah. but um one thing disappointed me one thing disappointed me <clears throat> was, it's become like a running joke now, me and Kane, we've been all over Dublin, or in this case, Nace, and people have been very generous, inviting us into their homes, and they give us a nice cup of tea, you know? Yeah. Where
2: was the the Prosecco, Prof?
1: We didn't need Prosecco for this one, he just, he wouldn't stop talking. (laughs)
2: Oh, that's what I meant to say to you, you have about (coughs) five minutes in this.
1: I'm, you, fu- I'm you, fine with you've that. You
2: have about five minutes in this. That's, that's all you got. You, uh, you went straight to the point. No counter arguments at all. And he really, really just spoke well. I was, I was fascinated. Uh, Do you know what? And I am dying to get his taxi. I am praying I get into taxi.
1: <laughs> well, just to clarify, this is lifted from the documentary. So I'm not going to come in with counter arguments in documentary yeah, interviews. This, I mean, is all, yeah. this
2: is all prof's documentary. Lab, that's and there's why. people who are dying for this prof. Dying for this documentary. That, like I said, I asked where we were up on what was it Monday? We were up with Joey, and I <laughs> said
1: to you "So how many who was it?" I think someone said, "How many errors have you got now? 100 <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Joey said he's looking forward to it as well. But um, yeah, and you say counter arguments. That's why I'm not gonna air the Roddy Collins interview. Yeah. On the podcast because I think some of the things he says needs you. To come in and have a go tomorrow. over Oh yes You know what I mean Yeah we're going to do it again We're going to get him again So he's, he, we've invited him on the podcast And it's going to be more off the cuff and informal There's going to be in person live with points So you're never going to hear my Roddy Collins interview mm. But we will use plenty of it in the in the documentary So yeah, you'll know, hear yeah. plenty of what he said but, um, So what I was saying earlier was we, we get offered tea in all these places we've been to Everyone's really nice Do you want a cup of tea? Me and Kane uh, We're in <clears throat> um, Trevor Malloy's house and he was like, "How many sugars do you want?" And Did Kay- and then, by the way, his, yeah. even his Missus was getting on the bandwagon as well. I saw that. Yeah, she said she was banished upstairs. Yeah, and she only heard it a few weeks ago.
2: She said she could, she's probably going to divorce him now when the Roddy, <laughs> when the Roddy
1: interview comes out and all this, all this yeah. stuff comes out. And Kane asked for two sugars, and Trevor goes, "What? <laughs> Did you bring your own?" <laughs> <laughs> so we come into Pascody's house, right? He offers us a cup of tea, and immediately he downplays the quality of his tea. He was like, "Oh, that's probably not great, lads. I have a of tea." And I'm like, "Are you for real? You're Pat Scuddy. <laughs> you, you can should, make tea. You should have the highest standard of tea making of anybody <laughs> I've interviewed." Had he not got a press of prosecco, I couldn't believe how we just, he just—he had no interest in the quality of his tea. He was like, no, nah, <laughs> his nah, press probably crap lads." Yeah, but so uh, that was Pat. He was brilliant. It really was. What about really the Neil Warnock bowling story? Oh my God,
2: <laughs> typical! Just brilliant, and the way he told it as well. There was no like he can—he's a storyteller. Like it really was good comes up with the glove like um, kingpin <laughs> yeah. kingpin and he's just taking their money nearly a thousand pound in the pot right. and Warnock comes in but yeah that's it Pat Scully really really enjoyable and uh, like we said keep an eye out for Roddy because that is going to be possibly an off season special maybe but in around Christmas we could do it We it depends we, we're gonna, it's going to be an episode on it's own
1: anyway it's going to have to be isn't it yeah I mean I think we'll come back next week and we'll just review the draw of the game and yeah. we have an interview but after that between now and the new season I think we'll just try and arrange as many live interviews as we can. Yeah, think so. Yeah, people Death we Eddie. haven't had on before. You no, know we could have. We could have a
2: legends round table. <laughs> How about that? So yes, up next uh, we have starting 11s and predictions. <laughs> so here we go, prof. I'm. I'm uh, not. Nothing, ex- nothing, nothing different here. I'm gonna go Manis. I want Manis to play games. Um, Pico is back. I'm guessing. I'm going to guess he's back so he played a month. he played Tuesday so he can well. he's well able to play Friday so we've we'll got Manus Grace, Pico, Gannon I oh. think that's our next our back three for the next two seasons and we're going to win everything I think so Grace, Pico and Gannon like, that's a fantastic back
1: three um, I'd like to have Cotter as, as backup at least and I'd
2: like to think that Gannon or that Bradzer has been watching our games and he's done the same with Coleman he's just decided Bradzer's a genius look what he did with Gannon now he's going to slot home and end on the right side of a back tree. I immediately see a problem with your 11 here, Gary. Oh, oh, God. What's it? Gary O'Neill is suspended. Gary O'Neill is suspended. I need I need to make... A, well, I think
1: I know who's Gary going to in there. Gary has a geeky, multicoloured <laughs> pen here.
2: <laughs> it, latches, it latches on. Do you know what? It latches on to my trousers and I forgot it fourth. I made it because yeah. I'm always losing pens. And then I left it here for the
1: last two weeks. Well, so, no, I offered it to my cat then.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we ferruge on the left. Ferruge I'm really, really buzzing to see him play again. He's so attacking. He's such an exciting player. Farouj is going to be the big one for me next season if we can keep him fit. That's that's my show. We'll do a, also, of course, we'll do a start of season special as well. We'll possibly have an end of season special in the pros as well. Prof, we could f- try and find a date there. But we have got Ferrugia on the left and Finn on the right. Hopefully, uh, he won't be the butt of all jokes this time round. And he's well, well recovered. Tell in the middle with Watts. And we've got Danny on the left or right, Idemo on the other side. So it depends. They do their little switcheroo. And we've Gaff up top. So Manus, Grace Pico, Gannon, Fruge on the left, Finn on the right, Towel in the middle with Watts, Danny, Idemo, and Gaff. So I think it's a nice, strong team. And I'm going to say, I'm going to go a nice 3 0 win. Jack to be unveiled before the kickoff. Trophy to be lifted. And then a big good boy for Joey and a fantastic way to end the season and a 3-0 Gary Deegan red card <laughs> we'll, we'll, oh, that sounds
1: good to me <clears throat> yeah I like your team I don't have any changes there there's not much um, we can
2: do about green or maybe or there's nothing else Gary O'Neill
1: suspended if Cotter is fit I might where are we going to put Cotter in this team well left wing back yeah but for who you God, I know, him, but yeah. if Frig- if Carter is fit to come back in, I'd like to just if it could be his last game for us.
2: But that's why Carter is going to be a good addition because like a so Pico going away on in, in, international duty or anyone getting injured, anything, he can slot in left wing back, right wing back, center half. Cotter's a great. Centre oh, sorry, half.
1: sorry, sorry, once Jesus Christ! Just cap this now. Your back tree is Grace Pico Gannon. Yeah. We're playing Joey in his last game for hours oh, here. Jesus, yeah. Is it not one of those things where we bring him on with? with 20 minutes to go? No, I think we start him and then we, Are we, sub, starting him we, and then we sub him off. And then
2: we sub him off. Are yeah. we going to go with that? Or 28 minutes to go. Right, okay, okay. <laughs> Take him off. Then. Wait, we'll get Gannon. Gannon can get out of there. So he might... You yeah. What I was thinking, bring him on and let him play the last few. And make him captain as well. Um. Ah, oh yeah, it has to be. It's, uh, do you know what? My thoughts on this, right? I'm going to be brutally honest with this. Football is a, is a bastard of a game at times. And personally, I would have loved to seen Joey come in and take a coaching role. I know he's with the seventeens. But I think we're gonna regret it. I don't want to see Joey go. I think Joey has legs in him to play for another season. And I think the only reason he's retiring, he said he won't play for another team. Mm -hmm. and he that's our loyalty to Rovers. He won't play. He could have went on and played for Shells, but he saw an opportunity that he wants to take and progress himself as a coach. And it's a good opportunity. It's an assistant manager in the league world. And he he had to take it because there's nothing here for him at Rovers. Unfortunately, that's just the way football is. Who are we going to move out? Who are we going to slot to the side? Who, what are we going to give him? What role are we going to give him? I hope it doesn't come back to bite us. I, I told him already I can't wish him well. He's going to a rival. Hmm. But I hope to see him in the dugout some at some stage in his in his career. I just think it's a big, big shame that he's going. And he would have played on, I guarantee you. He would have played on if we had some sort of gap or opening for him to kind of step into but Joey's gone and he's a club legend and it's such, such a sad thing to see him go. But football is football. That's the way it is.
1: Unfortunately, he's going to be a rival next year. I know we've we've, we've had a laugh with him on this show the last few months. <laughs> I think he said it to you, like, you've been resting him for, for four he months said now. Me, the
2: first thing he says to me, he goes, you're the reason I'm leaving. <laughs> I was like, no. Yeah. No.
1: But um, I think initially when it was announced, there was a small bit of negativity because people didn't understand... Um, plus I didn't know if he was retiring from playing but I think once he said that in the interview and as, as people said people said everyone, someone must have been cutting onions during the interview yeah yeah look at the look at the response on social media to that interview uh, it's it's, 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 o- it's overwhelmingly My, positive
2: our feed has been flying with Joey songs Joey <coughs> pictures and it's just he's been mm-hmm. such and, and do you know what we're going to miss most we're probably going to miss him in the dressing room because he was a major factor in kind of bringing yeah. Jack up to standard with attitude boys. who's going to be there to, to replace that you know it's, it's a really really big thing that we're looking at now
1: he'll be massively missing in the dressing room and uh, it'll be emotional now if he, if he starts and then comes off and we're watching him play his last game um, Ultras might have a display of him hopefully hopefully, hopefully, so, have hopefully something. so I'm actually changing my team um, again
2: prof Tell's gone Zinedine McCann is in <laughs>
1: But yeah, we're hoping something, um, something's there. We'll give him a good send-off anyway. I like this quote from Barney. He said, uh, he came home after a great career and he actually made a name for himself by giving 110% on and off the pitch. Not many have in the league since I started following Rovers. Absolute hero.
2: 33 years of age, coming back from a distinguished
1: career in England and he's still
2: up to standards and won leagues and cups with us. And he's kind of got down in Rovers history. That's as a mentioned. great point.
1: How many have done that? Like... Thirty five and six year olds have come back for a year or two. Not necessarily have won things, not necessarily have lifted everyone around them and yep. won trophies. He did all of that. Unbelievable. And he had a great career in England.
2: Brilliant. So like we said, thanks for the memory, Joey, and um You yeah, will be missed. We'll be missed big time. But we've six K tickets sold up from for the game, prof. Uh that was by Monday alone, so we're looking at a sellout. Sell out for the last game of the season, lift the trophy, Jack is back, Joey's gone unfortunately, give him a good send off but this is going to be deadly, South Stand is going to be absolutely hopping and can we please, please, please push home this do not go on the pitch, we've had our fun, we've celebrated the league, we don't want any more fines, we don't want the pitch to be wrecked, don't want anything <coughs> broken or damaged, just stay in the stands and appreciate the team and the efforts that they've given us all season, stay off the pitch, it's done, it's dusted, we've had our fun, we've gotten it out of our system. And it, we, do, like, we don't want fines, we don't want the pitch to be wrecked and we want to keep our relationship good with the likes of, I don't know, possibly the FAO and the council and things like that. But let's stay off the pitch, hashtag stay off, stay in the stands.
1: Everything has been prepared for this jobby celebration, like the players are going to go off the pitch, then the podium will be set up, then the players will come out, they'll do a lap of honour in front yeah. of each stand. They want to go over to their families, they want to go over to us in each stand and so people are on the pitch that's just going to prevent it from yeah. happening so, so this has been
2: planned yeah. meticulously yeah. this has been a really really detailed plan into how we're going to have the whole night go off without any hitches so just go along and watch the show watch what's going to happen we're going to lift the trophy <coughs> we're going to sp- applaud the players it's going to be a great night don't ruin it by going on the pitch that's, that's the Tifty's
1: opinion anyway I forgot to give my prediction earlier uh, 3-1 win 3-1 win um, no clean sheet for Al in the last no day season. No clean sheet, club. He's st- he was- he's still stuck in a hundred now, isn't he? He's still stuck on a hundred. But yeah. um, a uh, quick stat: two club records we could break. the Most points we've ever got in a season is seventy-seven in twenty nineteen and twenty eleven when we won the title under Mick- under Mick O'Neill. Currently on seventy-five, so we can break that. Oh, lovely! And twenty-three wins, which we got. Uh, I think twenty nineteen as well. Ronda, so we can break that. So two club records. And um, Danny Mandroi was scored in three games in a row. Oh. So, Danny, when's the last time
2: we got four in a row.
1: <coughs> yeah, well players who have done three. Jack did it twice last year. Greener did it in Jack 20- scored
2: three times in a row twice last yep.
1: year. Greener did it in twenty nineteen. Uh Dan Kerr and Dylan Watts did it in twenty eighteen. Brandon Miele did it in twenty seventeen. But only one man has scored in four consecutive games under Stephen Bradley. Who do you think it is?
2: Have, we're going through the whole time frame, yeah?
1: Well, if you were listening there, I went backwards and I stopped at 2017. so... He's scoring goals lately. Not for us, though. Boydie? Sean Boyd. What? In August 2016. Do you remember in how good he was?
2: Jaden said this to me today, funnily enough, dropping Jaden the train and and he said to me, I was watching some old Rovers videos. And he said, Sean Boyd. He says, where? what happened to him? I was like, you tell me. He said he was shit hot when he arrived on the scene. And he was talking with the Shaws. He was talking with the Shaws. He said, the Gary Shaw flick and Barry. I said, that put him on the scene. I said, that put him on the scene. He had a good mm. season that year. I think he got nine goals maybe that year. But he told me he was playing well. And he's getting back from bad injuries. But yeah, no, he always had a lot of time, a lot of time for Sean Boyd. So the party is on Gareth this Friday. The party is on Prof. Yeah so that's it. Prof this season has been brilliant. We're going to thank everybody and of course the Junior Hoops are having a big big party as well. It's an outdoor party. It's going to be the biggest guard of honour you can imagine. The Harry Bows everywhere. So big big shout out to uh, all of the Junior Hoops uh, leaders who have helped us out this year. Paul Weaver Siobhan Keane I call her Sinead I can't believe that a while ago and I got hammered for it Bill Gleason everybody it's been brilliant they do so much good work and they have actively gotten my daughter my seven year old absolutely hooked on Rovers brought home a poster there the other day and the first thing she grabbed it, she's
1: like, where's Pico? Looking for Pico. So
2: it's just, she's into football now and it didn't really happen with me before born, or with Abby Me born, she wasn't really into football, just didn't take. Maya's doing it now, we even had to buy her boots and everything, so I'm really, really happy, doing a great job. So that is it for this season, Prof. We'll be back next week and then we'll keep an eye out for maybe Brad's cast, uh, Roddy cast, and a few other little snippets here and there, but um, Player of the Year Awards, 27th, Please, it's a ticket-only event. Unfortunately, it's the way it is. We are sold out weeks now. It's going to be a really, really good event this Friday in the Provs.
1: La- last night before lockdown, 27th.
2: Last night before <24 laughs> lockdown, yeah. We have, uh, <laughs> we have uh, the session this Friday in the 4 Provs as well. There's a bus going from the from Tallah Stadium. If you want to get on the bus, let us know. We'll stick you on. Get through our socials. Find us on 10s the East End on Instagram and at EastdownPod on Twitter so get in touch if you need to see it in the bus but that is it so, Prof so it's been a great into, season into
1: the pub at 10.45 built it out at is it? Million points
2: <laughs> million points how many points can you drink in an hour that's what it's going to be uh. so thanks to everybody all our sponsors Lens to Credit Ocean Electrical everybody who's been good to us Green Ribbon is ready by the way Prof 5.5% a beautiful beautiful beer and we're hoping to have it on keg for the play of the year. so that is it Ooh for this week and we will talk to you next week see you in the South Stand Block X the Profs Perch keep on hooping see ya he's finished isn't he he's not finished
0: he's only 28 this was the club we supported this was what the club we wanted to play for so um, this was the only club we, we wanted to play for and he offered me a job cutting his grass as well so <laughs> I asked him to make sure that it was in one of the hot countries where he has a gaff you know
1: I was on some podcast recently where you said you're only dying to get a goal for Roberts.
0: Yeah, I know. You're look lucky charm.
1: Yeah, I'm listening.
2: I don't even say, well, don't to we win
1: the club? <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing taking the ball for the <laughs>
2: we yeah.